crap. They're evil. Signs of evil. Alex cannot act ever. That's like saying you can out-act the paper bag. Dead now. Hi, everybody, and welcome once again. The world famous. Yeah, that are hatched from a dead rooster. Tonight's episode of the Round Table Show. It looks like the gang's all here. Are we all here? Yeah. Oscar's still here. Yo, yo, yo. Oscar's still working on that Bill Paxton biopic, but yeah. That's what he's doing. Uh, okay. Well, that's awesome. Is he going to do a biopic on uh, Sigourney Weaver eventually, too? I, I'd love to see I'd love to see it happen. Yeah. Who would play her? She's kind of like... Like I don't, I've never seen anybody. She's else very unique. Her, you know what I mean? Kristen uh, yeah, Stewart, yeah. Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> Damn. No. But anyway, this is the round table show, and somebody's oh, popping. That is There's 2.0. 2.0 is popping like popcorn. It's we do have a round table show, guys, and we have a fully loaded table tonight. Scorpio Moon is on the line. Scorpio, what's up? Yo, yo, yo. There you go. Zod Riders on the line. Yep. <laughs> we got Johnny Alpha on the line. What's up, party <laughs> people in the place to be? And Mr. 2.0 making all kind of popcorn noises out there. 2.0. Yeah, hopefully it, I don't kill anyone in the popping. It's popcorn yes. time, I guess. <laughs> At least we know you're actually going to make noise the entire episode now. This though. is how you make Mexican popcorn. Go ahead, Alex. Show him. Yeah, I was just saying that. I hope I don't kill anyone with the popping today. It's all good. At least your fire alarm isn't going off yet. Yeah, for real. You got a new battery? <laughs> that shit or what, bro? <laughs> Yeah, that's done with. <laughs> nice. I should have gotten you that for a birthday present. Done with. Got so we started nice a little night. late here because of 2.0 over here. Yeah, he was running a little bit late. Uh, so what kind of porn were you looking at exactly that was causing all that trouble there, 2.0? The kind of porn that you guys don't want to hear about. Brazilian porn. I know he's the kind. Was it dolphin? Was it dolphin? Was it dolphin porn? Like on, uh, like on Cyber Love Talk this past? No, Friday? I'm not that. I'm not that wild. Oh, uh, okay. Well, what is Thanks that? For all the I, 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 I kind of quit listening to that show because it scares me. But like you, well, my we were talking about <laughs> on that show. We were actually talking about the fact that dolphins, female versions of dolphins, have vaginas that look incredibly like female <laughs> Okay, vagina. I'm done. That's that's enough. So, so it, <laughs> that scares you, but yeah, you can watch movies, you know, that have all kinds of gory shit in it. Like really well, you asked. <laughs> yeah. I mean I mean what was that what's that film? A Serbian film. You can watch that yeah, multiple but, times. I, but I, I but a vagina that. on a dolphin scares you, really. No, <laughs> it doesn't scare me, it's just I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> Well, well, if you go to cyberlovetalk.com, you can see a picture of it because I posted it with the most recent episode. So, <laughs> there you go. There you go. But yeah, we do Alex, have a show Alex here of our own. To me, though. I mean, yeah, he so. did, probably. <laughs> he spams that shit out. He loves your show, Sodwriter. That's probably what he was doing before the show, was just listening to Cyberlove Talk. Yeah, I was catching up. Yeah, that's what it was. Oh, there you go. Good job. Good popping. So, uh, this is the worst show ever, by the way, guys. Um, just saying. Thank you, 
Well, I just already we still like have a 1940s oh. turntable. <laughs> I mean, we still have ever. I mean, like Cali in yeah. the wind tunnel. I mean, like that was that was pretty bad. Yeah, that was pretty bad. And when the dog chased him, I mean, come on, we've had some, we've had some. No, that was a good one. That was funny though. That you got to admit, that was fun. Dog right. chasing the uh, Cali guy. That was pretty good. So, do we have anything to talk about other than Alex's uh, issues with uh, his audio? Anything in the news there? Two Yes, there is stuff in the news. Right. <laughs> Very interesting thing. Wow. Why? Well, let's see. No. Let's talk about Star Wars. All right. If All right. Why? It's been Why a not? busy week for Star Wars. There's been a lot. There's been it's a been lot a busy of talk in our chat year for Star Wars. A lot, yeah. lot of graphic novels have come out for Star Wars with Marvel re-releasing all of the old Dark Horse stuff. That's nice. Mm. Well, recently George Lucas uh, mentioned in an interview that his treatments for his ideas for the new Star Wars trilogy have been completely disregarded, and they're going to do their own thing. Disney and J.J. Abrams are going to do their own thing. Uh, you guys believe him or not? How does he know? The movies haven't even been made yet. You know what I mean? Like, they, they've just started. He knows. He knows. No, he does. No, here, here's the they're not using. No, but he here's the same. No, here's the same guy who says he doesn't. He hasn't looked at the trailer. Doesn't know what really has been going on. He hasn't been keeping up. He's not gone on the actual, uh, you know, set or whatever. Uh, hasn't really interacted with it. So he doesn't know how much they're really taking from his original treatment. What he is uh, based his original statement on was he said that they they weren't using his idea of uh, focusing on the younger characters. And and not the older characters, uh, and really basing it on the new generation of, of the heroes. And JJ came in and said, "Well, I think the audience wants to see the older crew back first, and then focus on the young, younger members of the new uh, the new cast." And honestly, as a fan, that's what I wanted to see. So, I, it, look, I love George Lucas, but let's be honest: JJ Abrams is a little bit more in touch with what the fans want because he yeah. is a fan. George Lucas. I wrote you know, the prequels. So. Exactly. I, I didn't want to say I, I, it because I like I, the prequels. I do, have to, I do have to point out, though, for a minute, for a moment, Jackal. I do have to point out, though, you you have been and I and I. It's I'm fascinated and elated to hear you say something like that, considering that you have been one of the most staunch George Lucas defenders of anybody I have ever seen. So for you to actually come out and say that JJ, what JJ, throw your support 100% behind JJ Abrams and and the I mean the way you're the way you're, you know, wording things right now, it's amazing. I I'm I'm happy to see this. He's Very just, good, Jack. Bravo. <laughs> No, oh, seriously. No, no, but look, in all honesty, look, I look. It's hold on, not like he's I, look. Bashing Lucas. I mean, no, he's I love, hold on, hold on, let's, let's get the, hold on, hold on, hold on, guys. Is, is amazing. Like that, yeah, he, that's he's great. like saying something I that I would say, but it's awesome. Here's the thing. Here, here's yeah. the thing. I, hold on. Here's the thing. Let's get one thing straight. I love the prequels. Okay, I love George Lucas, his directing style. I love what he did with his six movies, four that he directed, two that he didn't. But here's the thing. What's my favorite Star Wars movie of them all? The Empire, Empire Strikes, Strikes Back. Back. The one he didn't direct and he never. didn't write. Okay, The writer of that movie is co-writing The Force Awakens. Let's just start there. So my favorite movies 
best writer is writing this movie. One of my favorite uh, directors working today, J.J. Abrams, is directing this movie, who is a fanboy of this material. And he is very tight-lipped on his sets and on what he does. So I guarantee you that when George Lucas goes into that theater and watches that movie, he's going to be like, God damn, they actually used a lot of my ideas. Because, you know, here's the thing. Abrams is a fanboy, and he's a big friend of George Lucas's also. And he's a big fan of his and his work. So I think Lucas is just making statements because, one, he's trying to also promote a movie he just did, Strange magic which is the theaters uh that's one he wants to, he needs to be in the news a little bit two you know maybe he's a little hurt or a little bit bitter i don't know look maybe him selling lucas films right now is becoming something of a regret so i don't know if he's regretting oh, it would it. have if, to be it would have you know, to i don't be, i don't right? know where his mind is he's also an older man and you know he's making some comments which uh, you could take him any way you want but at the end of the day when you look at the majority of the fan base that hated the prequels i'm not one of them because i like the prequels but the majority of the fan base hated the prequels right we, we can all agree on that right that could why, be one of the reasons why they're not so I, I know, exactly. That, and, and him I mean, saying, "Look, him," and, and this is a double-edged sword because him coming out and saying, "Hey, they're not using my ideas," could actually be beneficial for the movie because they have fans who hated the prequels could be like, "Oh yeah, they're not using his ideas." Cause yeah, that's pretty much lame. what it is. It's kind of divided. Well, it's kind of divided the fan base in a sense because. Jack, but Jackal, you know, what Jackal said made sense, and this has been happening a lot this week in particular. They are taking certain things that people said and they are wording them way out of context to try right. to make a scandal that is not there. I mean, the same thing happened with Seth Rogen about something that he didn't even say about American Sniper, but they're acting like he's some kind of terrorist lover and <laughs> right. like. It's not, and it's kind of the same thing that they're trying to say with what Lucas said here. And Jackal, what he said is what Lucas actually said, dude. He didn't say that like, oh, JJ's ruining my dream. No, he right. said that like they, um, they're going a different direction than what I would have did. But fuck it, it's his movie. But again, he's saying it on the narrative of the way they're they're focusing on the characters. He's not talking about the actual storyline, or I don't think the because look. Let's be honest, whatever treatment he handed into Disney when he handed over the rights to everything, whatever that treatment was, what's the initial treatment they were working on with Marco, Michael Arndt, or Ant, or whatever his name is, uh, th that original script that was rejected by Disney, rejected by J.J., rejected by everybody because it wasn't that good. That's why they brought other people on board to fix the script, to fix the problems. So as a fan, I, I'm happy they did that. Yeah, with As Michael Ann, it probably had Buzz Lightyear in it, right? Not only that, I mean, he wanted to cast Hit Girl to be the main protagonist in this thing. And while I like Loris Moretz, she's a good actress and everything, I don't think she would have been a good fit for this universe. I don't think her character fits within this. Now, if you tell me she's going to be like, you know, uh, Robin in Batman vs. Superman or something like that, I could see that. That'd be gangster. Yeah, I could totally see that. But her in the Star Wars universe that doesn't really fit. And and JJ knows what the fans want because again, he's been a fan his whole life. Look at the teaser trailer. If you look at that teaser trailer and you see the way things looked scope wise, you could tell he knows what he's doing. I can't was, believe I'm beautiful. saying this, but I'm kind of with Lucas. I'd rather just have all new characters and go nothing but forward. I am not... But you're going to get not... the new characters. Here's the thing. This is, is following the same path as the older movies in, in a way. You're the showing the older characters. All, the whole 88 seconds was right. all new characters. It was all characters. new characters. This they're, movie's they're, the they're passing of the torch. Right? Exactly. They're, they're, they're focusing on the older characters first, passing the torch to the new generation. This is the way it should be. You don't want to just start off with something brand new that is completely disconnected from the original trilogy. 
trilogy, that's going to piss off the fan base. Especially and if it's going to pertain to like their kids. I mean, because right. honestly, I'm pretty sure that one of the solo kids is probably going to show up in this trilogy. Of course. No, I, I think Daisy Ridley or whatever her name is, I think she's going to probably end up being Han Solo's daughter in the story. So uh, I think that's where they're going to go with that character. But look, the way JJ is doing it is the way the fans wanted him to do it. And this is the way that I personally wanted him to do it as a fan. And as a, you know, amateur filmmaker, if I was directing a star Wars episode seven, this is the way I would go. This is exactly the way I would do. I would start with the older cast Passing that torch on to the new generation of cast members. And then episode 8, 9, 10, and forward, whatever, how many other episodes you do, you keep moving forward and you keep, you know, progressing the the storyline and, and evolving the storyline. But you don't want to just start off completely, you know, brand new with everybody and, you know, not not even have a Han Solo or Princess Leia yes, or I Chewbacca. Do. No, you don't. And if well, you do, they, well, then you're not a real Star Wars over, fan. We're talking about fake drama anyway, like. I'm not necessarily trying to debate the particulars here, but if you've got Lucas on the one side kind of saying my treatment focuses more on new characters, and you've got Abrams on the other side saying I'm doing more of a pass-the-torch kind of thing, I mean, either way is fine. I'm just saying if I had to pick a side, the spirit of what George Lucas says is actually more like what I would want. But it's completely contradicting to what the episodes have been. Because even in episode 4, it's a passing of the torch from Obi-Wan Kenobi to Luke Skywalker. So why wouldn't they continue that on episode 7 when you have an older Luke Skywalker now passing the torch to the new Jedi who becomes a hero in this story? Whoever that might be, whether it's John Boyega or whether uh, it's... Uh, the Cuban. You know, because that's well, just actually, repeating... He's half Cuban, done. by the way. I, I, I found this out the other day and I was very disappointed. He's half Cuban. He's only half. He's only a half and half. But, but either way, you were, yeah, we're gonna get new characters anyway. So yeah, we're gonna why. get it, new characters. It's a, it's a pointless argument. Uh, anybody who's upset that they're going this route is ridiculous. Because uh, honestly, what do you want? You want to start off with all new characters, and not even have a, a cameo by Luke or Leia or Han or Chewie? What kind it's of Star Wars movie is that? Started, don't really and now care about. So I don't. I, it wouldn't bother me. It would not bother me at all. If well, look, and by the way, even Phantom Menace had Obi Wan Kenobi in it. Had Yoda, C three PO, R two D two. So you can still draw in those characters from the original trilogy into that series, and it still felt familiar. You know what I mean? That's the whole thing. You want it to be as familiar as possible, so you could go back into that world that you loved as a kid. If you completely remove all the characters we loved and just start over again, you're going to lose the old fan base. You may, you might make new fans but it won't be as big as if you have these characters in it. Well, I mean, I get the whole point of, you know, the filmmaking, the audience behind that. Once again, I'm not arguing it, but for me personally, I'm not that nostalgic for them, and I really wouldn't care if they started totally fresh. But you're a minority in a major sea of fans here. That's the Yeah, problem. that's fine. <laughs> I, can, so, I can be a minority. That doesn't bother me. I mean, I'm anyway. just putting out my opinion for the sake of a fun show. I'm not trying to win Star Wars. Well, I am, god damn it. <laughs> I want to win the wars. I want to win George Lucas's beard and see what he looks like without that. I want to win like a quarter of his bank account. Forget the beard. You I want to win the, the beard. At the end of you the know first what, You know how much you could get for Lucas's beard, bro? Um, probably a rash. That sounds like a fake movie, Holy Grail, like some kind of yeah. comedy movie. Where You're not going to get any money from it, from his beard. You, you'll get a rash, maybe. That's about it. No, I could sell it, dude. People on eBay would buy George Lucas's beard, bro. If I had a, a certificate of authenticity, yeah, how are you gonna get that exactly? You could start the bidding at like ten million dollars, right? 
All right, we're gonna have to lose uh, two point here because uh, you know, you know, sorry, his uh, connection was just horrible. I don't know what's what, going we on. We can't, we can't lose two point We've lost two point Sadly, we've lost two point oh. I don't know. What's then who's going to introduce our topics? Well, uh, I guess I, that I'll, that would have to be Johnny Alpha. I'll carry on with the one that I kind of name dropped that whole thing about what um, Seth Rogen he tweeted that. He thought American Sniper kind of reminded him of the um, movie that they watched in Inglorious Bastards. This got blown out to saying that people are saying that Seth Rogen said that, oh, American Sniper is like a Nazi propaganda film. And now the right wingers are going all ape shit on him trying to say that, like, oh, he's he's ruining our superhero movie when he didn't even say that to begin with. I was wondering how you guys felt about that. Guys? Yeah, sounds like more fake news. It's the media manipulating information to get quality hits on their website. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a big deal. And anyway, that's just that's just uh, Seth Rogen's opinion. You know, everybody has an opinion. Who cares? Well, I mean, with this movie, it's like they're drawing a line in the sand. Like, you can't make fun of this movie, it, it, otherwise you're un-American. It's like the Bushers all over again. I mean, I, I, what Michael Moore said was wrong. He's an idiot, but... Anybody that comes yes. out and criticizes this movie isn't un-American. It's a film. It's not like this is actually Christopher Kyle's real life. I mean, it was written and directed and like made to push an agenda. It's not a biopic that was. Sh- I mean, it was. It's not a documentary that was shot in real time. That's completely factual about the man's life. You know what I mean? So it can be criticized. You know, I don't get this whole thing that like the the people, the fans of the film are trying to push. No. That like, oh, you're an American if you don't like this. Completely movie. agree. I mean, what happened to film uh, opinions of film being subjective? Who cares? It's just a film. I agree with you 100%, Johnny. I have not seen it yet. I think it looks it looks good. It looks really sad. But um, you know, that it's a war film, so they're all kind of like that. But I mean, it, it looks decent. You know what I mean? So I'll give it a shot when I get a chance, but this hype and this bullshit going around it—it's kind of killing the film for me. You know what I mean? It's kind of making me. I haven't seen the movie. Have you guys a... seen? Have you seen American Sniper yet? Because I haven't seen it yet. No, I just said I haven't seen it. Oh no, I, I didn't miss. I missed that part. Sorry, I was talking to oh. 2.0 over here in chat. But uh, no, I haven't seen the movie. I mean, I don't know how good the movie is, but it is a Clint Eastwood movie. And... That alone wants to, it makes me want to see it. But I, I don't really care about the controversy. Again, I don't care what Seth Rogen has to say about anything. So just make funny movies, man. That's all I care about with him. I remember Sniper with Tom Berenger. I really liked that. And your homeboy, <laughs> Billy Zane. Ah, Billy Zane. Don't I mean, say anything I, I about that. Yeah, sorry. I brought it up. I had to. But yeah, I mean, I liked that Sniper movie. So I can imagine liking this one. Snipers are cool. All right. Yeah. yeah. Snipers are cool. <laughs> not, Nothing not else a... needs to be. I can't say anything else after that. Snipers are cool. That's it. <laughs> yeah, it's like done. you can have a giant political debate, or you can just sound like a three-year-old. Yeah, no, done. Next story, there, Johnny Alpha. Um, let's see. Uh, Star Trek Three is getting um a little bit of script work by Simon Pegg, which is kind of an interesting little iota that like I read about that Alex posted the story. What do you guys feel about that? Wasn't Simon? At Pegg least it'll be funnier. Yeah. Didn't he say that if you don't like Star Trek into whackness that you should go F yourself? Um, I, I think I said that. No, I think Tim I Corbin said that maybe. I didn't call it to whackness because it's not I think si- I think Simon Pegg did say that, but him writing on in the script, I think it'll be a lot funnier. And that'll be great. Good. Is yeah, but I don't want to see uh, I don't I don't want to see Star Trek into comedy either. So it'll be like his uh, TV show Spaced. It'll be really funny. 
Yeah, but uh, space had nothing to do with Star Trek. It was kind of like it was like a dude and a chick that like lived in an apartment together, and they pretended that they were a couple. And there was a gay artist that lived downstairs, and a crazy drunk lady that lived upstairs. You know what I mean? That really has nothing to do with Star Trek. Yeah, but there were a lot of geek and funny references. <laughs> who else is writing? Who there, else is dude? writing this thing? By the way, is it just him? Um. Well, I know that uh, Roberto or Perez Doug or whatever Jung, right? not doing it anymore. Or Roberto Orsi, not Roberto Perez. Yeah. <laughs> Roberto Perez, yeah, shout out to him. Uh, no, well, isn't it Doug Jung? Doug Jung or whatever is also one of the writers. Wow, the ever since Abrams left this thing, like, no one gives a shit about Star Trek anymore. No, this movie's like, this movie's doomed, dude. Honestly, look, Simon Pegg writing the script of Doug Jung, and it's going to be directed by Justin Lin from Fast Five. Really? Oh, the Fast yeah. Five guys. That's, that's, the, that's like the best one besides Tokyo Drift. Yeah, I mean, I liked Fast Five. I'm not totally against him directing no. a movie, but I don't know if like, just, I mean, does his directorial style work for Star Wars? Or I mean, once I again, don't like, know. does anyone just even really care? Like, they're just throwing any random. No, yeah, they didn't give any I, I, I don't know, Scorp, you know what I mean? Like, I'm a big fan of James Gunn's, but after seeing Slither and Super, I had no idea he could make Guardians of the Galaxy, and he did. And that movie's probably one of the greatest sci-fi films I've seen in a long time, aside from John Carter's. So, I mean, I'm willing to give, like, people that have a vision a little bit of wiggle room just because they did a studio-mandated movie first, you know? That doesn't mean that that's all he can do. Right, so that means that comedy isn't all Simon Pegg can do. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, well, it's that, hope. that Boy Run movie, that was, <laughs> I think that was actually supposed to be funny, but it wasn't. Like, I don't even know why the hell he was in that. And, like, what was that other one where he was the reporter making, losing friends and pissing off people? Or Yeah, but one thing, oh, yeah, one thing is acting in it. Yeah, but hold on. One thing is acting in a movie like that, but another thing is writing a movie like that. Did he write those movies? Well, no, he he usually gets um, character control over his characters, and he usually gets to do his own lines, at least, you know what I mean, in, in most of the films that he works on, because he's so ingrained in the film process that he's come up with with um, Edgar Wright that he kind of has a bit of free reign with his characters, but yeah, I don't think that he gets to write other people's shit, though. I mean, maybe he's maybe Scotty's going to be a big part of the film, and they're letting him run wild with his character. They should have, they should just make Star Trek 3 all like from Scotty's point of view, like make him the main character. That'd be awesome. <laughs> that would be neat, dude. Hey, at least it's taking a chance and doing something different. The Wrath of exactly. Scotty. Yeah. Why not? Is that little guy still alive? His little sidekick or whatever? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, he survived uh, the last movie. So yeah, why not? <laughs> the Wrath of Scotty. <laughs> best way, best way to finish out JJ's JJ's universe of Star Trek. I would love it. I can't wait to see what Justin Lin is going to do. It's going to be great. The oh, crazy yeah, thing is, is that the, they're not signed for just one more movie. The actors are signed for like three or four more movies. You know that, right? Well, as long as they can yeah, that's make all, that's all contracts. Yeah, something tells me it's going to be a trilogy, and they're going to they're going to reboot after this one. I just have this feeling. Out of it makes two hundred million dollars at the get, North the domestic box show. office. Now, look, if it makes two, if it makes over two hundred million at the domestic box office again, it makes four or five hundred million worldwide. There's going to be a part four and a part five. As long as they keep making money, they keep pumping these movies out. That's the rule, man. They're not going to reboot a, a successful franchise to what, go back to a Star Trek franchise and make no mean? money? What do you mean? How, how can you say that? Uh, Batman is a perfect example. 
They didn't have to reboot after Nolan. No, but they, but the they, problem not, was Nolan. Not, yeah, but no, the problem was that Nolan said he didn't want to do any more movies. He went off to do this. Nolan established the universe. Yeah, they could, I understand that, director. but it's a different. It's a different scenario. He established a trilogy, and he said, oh, "Okay, after this, I'm done." And then the actor who was playing Batman also was recast because he was part of that trilogy. So when they're moving forward, you, we haven't seen Batman versus Superman. We don't know where they're taking from the Nolan universe, if anything. But that's a completely different animal than this, for example. Right. You, in, in Batman, you already had a successful trilogy. You've had successful movies that made a lot of money in the past. Star Trek, none of the first ten movies made a whole lot of money at the box office. The first two movies that made a shitload of money were J.J. Abrams' two movies. They're the first ones that crossed over $180 million domestically. First ones to cross $200 million domestically. Look it up. So why would they reboot to go backwards to a franchise that made no money? It makes no sense. They will continue this franchise with this cast yeah, and continue forward. Next generation, maybe. You know what I mean? Go JJ with oh, God. TNG. What, a young Picard? I don't want to see that. Oh yeah, know. they tried to reboot Picard doing action. <laughs> well, do, you really can't reboot. No, but here's the thing: you really can't reboot the next generation, though, because if you James remember, McAvoy no, hold on, no, you can't. So you cannot reboot the next <laughs> generation. <laughs> here's the reason why: the very first episode of the next generation was them introducing the characters coming together on the ship for the first time. There was no Star Trek with that crew before that first episode of the next generation. That literally was the very starting point of their adventure together. So, what are you going to do? Show Picard before he joined the Enterprise before he joined the Federation? Hey, doesn't work. Dude, when, when so I'm the on the Stargazer. Why not? When the Marauder jumped into this timeline, everything completely changed. So Picard's life is completely different, just like Kirk's, just like Spock's, just like Scotty's. So, yeah. Just like Kirk's eye color. Yes, now like, Picard is a Yeah, I'm still kind of pissed about the eye color thing, by the way. Something more. Yeah, James McAvoy as young Picard. I mean, it's got money written all over it. And Brian Singer directing. Yeah, I'm so there. This movie is coming out 2017. Absolutely. It's great. And if that works, they can reboot Voyager, like Deep Space Nine. Oh, they could have the guy who played Fez on uh, that 70s show playing Chakotay. What do you think? Oh, that would be awesome. Wilder Valderrama <laughs> as Chakotay. I mean, he looks like he'd have a face tattoo. He's so tough. Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> Chakotay. By the way, that has to be the worst name of any Star Trek character ever, Chakotay. Um, well, I guess. Chakotay was a... Was a Apparently, Chicote is a real pimp. I've heard all kinds of stories about how he was, would always have all kinds of women in his trailer during the times of filming Voyager. Yeah, but anybody who anybody who knows Spanish understands why this is a, a terrible name. What does it mean? In Spanish, it means smelly feet. Yeah. Well, maybe he has them. He looks like he does. <laughs> Probably has smelly feet worn off. Bed like if, anybody who's listening to knows Spanish knows the term "beta chicote." Okay. Well, and anyone, on the, anyone who knows English knows he's this Indian. He's, like, yeah, he's a Native American, though. He ain't supposed to be a Native Mexican. American. Doesn't mean Mexican. Yeah, it's not the same. No, thing. that's not. Why, why do you suddenly think I'm talking about Mexicans when I'm talking Spanish? I'm, I'm Cuban. Well, I'm being white. Bunch of right? racist? <laughs> You're so ethnocentric. Wow, you bunch of racist, are you? He's talking Spanish, must be Mexican. Yeah, that's what it is. No, but I mean Indian though. Like he's he's supposed <laughs> he to be Native American, not not uh, not Spanish or anything like that. He's Indian. 
Yeah, because right. like they do not have Native Americans in Mexico and South America. Like they they, they stop yeah. right they, there at the border. They don't they stop. <laughs> <laughs> the different universe. You're talking about a different universe, bro. Yeah, the Star Trek universe. They had built that fence during the Third World War. Yeah. Exactly. And that kept them wow. out. Anyway, with that said, guys, uh, I think it's time for us to go to a commercial break. Let's do that. We'll be right back on the Roundtable Show. Professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call key information solutions now. 954-973-3374 That's 954-973-3374 Or visit keyinformation.com Remember, Future Theater can be heard every Monday night at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7 p.m. Eastern with your host, Bill, that's me and Nancy. Hi, Karumba. Burns, and we are broadcasting live right here on PSN Radio. Breaking the walls down. This is radio. This is what people want. To download the podcast, make sure you go to www.futuretheater.com. This is James Swagger, host of Capricorn Radio. I'm also an author, engineer, and researcher. Capricorn Radio covers alternative history, alternative science, philosophy, and truth-oriented discussions. We are proud to be on the Dark Matter Radio Network, live at 8 p.m. Saturdays, Eastern Standard Time. You can catch extra info on darkmatterradio.net, jameswagger.com for yours truly, CapricornMembers.com for the archives. Don't forget, truth is not democratic. Truth is truth. Wow, look at him. I'd do him right now. Yeah, me too. If he weren't bald. You may not know it. But this happens to every man at least twice a day. If you're balding, you might as well kiss sex goodbye. Even if you're 16 and have a full head of hair, women can tell if you're going to go bald. And that spells trouble. Let's face it, 
Women hate bald men, except basketball players. What causes baldness? Don't take this the wrong way, but the explanation may be downstairs. It's bald, and it wants you to be too. Through a partially scientific study, doctors have determined that an abundance of testosterone causes baldness. And let's be honest, who needs testosterone? Now science brings you Castrodon. Castrodon goes to the glands that produce testosterone and kills them, protecting your hair and saving your sex life. Within a few days, you'll notice a big difference. You'll begin to look and feel different. If you're willing to do anything to stop the unspeakable from happening to you, take Castrodon. Remember, baldness is loneliness. May impair driving, timekeeping, map reading, and home improvement skills. Castrodon may also cause periodic moodiness, retail addiction, face painting, and menstruation. We carry them things and while we blast, let the good times roll, let the bullets fly. Fuck it, man, if I got... Put your drinks up for the bad chicks walking. Riding in the whip, having fun, little talking. Put your drinks up for the people that died. Put it up high till it's touched the sky. Got another beer. Man, this drink got me tripping. Getting high off the L. Trying to reduce my stress before I die and go to hell. I've been trying to see the light, but all I see is a fight every single night. I can't walk in my own hood without being chased. And we're back on tonight's episode of the Roundtable Show. Johnny Alpha, you got more news? Right. Um, this is a story that, like, I, I, I just find it hysterical that this actually counts as news. Right? The, 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 I guess they're remaking the Blob, and the, 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 the filmmaker has come out and said that, like, they will utilize modern CGI to, 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 to convey the Blob in the film. It's like, what else were you going to use? 50s I mean, like, horror they, movie. <laughs> yeah. Get out I mean, of the like, pitchforks, people. It would be neat if, like, they did, like, had a plastic bag thing or whatever they did in the old Steve McQueen one, but I mean, like that ain't gonna happen. Of course, it's gonna be a CGI thing, you know? What I mean, like, duh. Well, why not have some more practical effects like Star Wars, huh? Yeah, I mean, but I mean, this is the blob. I'm pretty sure they're they're not gonna <laughs> dump very much money into it. I mean. And I, I've liked both of the versions of the Blob so far. I like both the Steve McQueen and the Kevin Dillon one. They were both hella fun, just goofy ass sci-fi horror films. You know what I mean? So I, I, I actually have mild hopes that this one will be in the same line of that. I have to wait until tell who's cast in it to really like get my opinion. But I, this, this my is question crazy. is: Is there really even a market for the Blob? I mean, are fans really like that interested in this story to to have them do another Blob? I mean, I'd rather see like another remake of The Fly. Before I see the blob again, to be honest with you. And how well, excited like you are you guys about the blob? It's familiar, man. If you put the name the blob out there, people have heard of it before. It'll fill some theater seats. And they haven't remade it. It's like 87, so it's, it's, it's sellable. Dude, it's, it's Eclipse Force, Awa- Force Awakens as my most anticipated film, dude. Oh, I, that's bullshit. That's got to be bullshit. Oh, that, yeah. I don't believe that. That's nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a lie. Woo! <laughs> my goodness gracious. They're getting crazy with See, if we were talking about Sharknado 3 and 4, I, I might believe you. They're, they're remaking Poltergeist, and like, and that's not that's not it. Oh, they're remaking Cabin Fever. I mean, that movie was made like in what oh one. Yeah, there's like, no point remaking that. That's stupid. Yeah, so I mean, like the Blob makes more sense. Yeah, like all of a sudden, Cabin I know they're remaking that movie that uh, the thing that Tom Welling was in, where he was he was Clark just without his superpowers. <laughs> uh, which one is that? It's been all his movies, man. <laughs> <laughs> what was the thing? It was the, the thing. It was the, the remake of the, 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 fog. the fog. Oh, no, the, the fog. Yeah, not the yeah. thing. The fog. Yeah. The fog. Yeah. Yeah. The John Carpenter like- movie. They remade that. 
What the fog? Yeah. Yeah, you never saw the remake Are with you Tom about Welling. The Mist. That, that was no, that was the Mist was with Thomas Jane. Jane. That's with Thomas Jane. No, no, no. There is a remake of The Fog with Tom Welling as the lead actor in the movie. I'll and have to basic, check that out. It's basically Saki. it's basically an episode of, of uh, Smallville without him using his powers. That's but what Saki it felt like. Pirate hey, it's one that's called Clark throughout the whole production. I am. Yeah, which is the like that was a messed up part, man. He, in one of the interviews, he said it during the production. The director called him Clark a couple times. Like Clark, you move <laughs> over here now. You got to do this. Like, uh, my name is Tom uh, Tom Welling. That's right, Clark. Get over here. Poor guy. That That's must fun. suck to be typecast like that. You know? <laughs> he's been Clark longer than he's been Tom Welling. Yeah. Well, uh, technically, no. Not really, but kind of. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I did not think we'd be talking about Tom Welling in the fog tonight. That's. This show has gone to new lows. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather talk about that than like Whew. the Boogeyman movies. Like those, those are pretty much like the worst horror films ever. So like at least, and then I had to go bring them up. God damn it! Speaking of the bo- speaking <laughs> of the Boogeyman, have any of you guys seen uh, John Wick yet? Oh hell no. yeah! That movie is so gangster, man. I love it, dude. Keanu is badass. Like as the Baba Yaga, man, he he kicks the shit out of some Ruskins in that movie. Yeah, I'm barely awesome. a nerd anymore. I never watch movies. Did you like it, Zod Rider? Or are you gonna? Oh yeah, it? yeah, epic. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like that—that's a revenge film right there, fellas. I mean, like he is just so gangster in it. I'm a little sour at the whole movie industry right now because uh, people are starting to to make the case that uh, Boyhood is going to win an Oscar, and I'm very <laughs> pissed. I'm so pissed about that. It's going to happen, so dude. You know why? Because it sucks. I it's keep hearing people boy- talk about it, and I'm like, why? Sean Penn cried. No, the movie, dude. He's fuck like, Sean Penn. Yeah, but he's the, he is the after, academy, bro. Remember, he after went full retard you, after hearing you guys talk about it. I I, I haven't even tried well, to that watch. Sucks. It. Alex watched it. And he was going to tell us what he thought about it, but he's too busy pop locking by himself. Oh, <laughs> I, I Red Letter hear. Media did a pretty good review of it. I'd watch that. I want to hear Alex. I don't care about red-blooded media. Like, Alex, Alex, I want to hear how he felt about watching some boring-ass white kid grow up. <laughs> uh, That's true. Uh, we really got shafted on that one. He promised us the review hours ago, and now we're not going to get it. I think the audio issues is because he doesn't want to actually give his review. I think he liked the movie. That's why he's ashamed. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, amazing, guys. <laughs> it's it, it's going to win Best Picture, and it deserves it. It's so incredible. Boyhood. Uh, anyway, what's next on the round table uh, there, uh, Johnny Alpha? Okay, Batman versus Superman fight choreographer provides details right. for the epic brawl. And I don't know what they are. Did you guys read it? Man, that must have been really nope. painful you to have to like just do out loud. You're like, do I really have to introduce Batman versus Superman? Yeah, do we really have to? Uh... Hey, I am looking. <laughs> I am looking forward to Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, and that's about it with that film. So I, there is a bright no. side to it, but no. yeah, that's pretty much that's the majority of my sure. interest. She's gonna have. She's probably gonna have like what three minutes in the film. And, yeah, you know, you know, all this talk about you know Batman versus Superman and all that. How about the latest animated DC Comics Justice League animated film? Have any of you guys seen that? I saw. Incredible. I thought that it was coming out. It's about they made, Aquaman. They made, they made Aquaman cool. I mean, how can no, you do that? That's an impossibility, there, sir. Yeah, that's dude, not. Dude, you're speaking. There's no way. Science no way. Yeah, no. You're like, dude, looks, look, Stephen Hawkins. That's not happening. Sorry, yeah, it's just not. No, he's like Georgie A. Tukalus. He's like, you know, like Hitler. He no, had but he's gun. actually cool. He gave it, him that gun. 
Yeah, but Tukalos is actually kind of a cool, you know, retard. Like, you know, he's not like, you know, a normal kind of tard. He's he's a cool tard. Yeah, he's got that hair. Aquaman he's got the, hair, the cool hair, yeah. Georgia Tukalos has yeah, hair. Is cooler than Aquaman in his little... Much head. cooler. In Wait, little is, is Aquaman really that uncool, though? Yes. Yeah. 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 He talks to fish. That's his badass. His power is that he talks to the fish. Like that's his power. Like really? Thank you. Go talk to some fish. I hate having to play as him in Injustice. I mean, like I felt so bad. I'm like, fuck. I gotta play as Aquaman now. Really? It's a forced thing. I can't pick who I want to play as. Aquaman. Aquaman has to be like the most lamest character in the entire DC universe. Oh, I feel far. like that's one of those things where it's really cool to say that he's lame, but I mean, like really? really, seriously. I mean, come on, like I mean, <laughs> Green Lantern's <laughs> power is magical jewelry. How's that worse than yeah? Aquaman? But it's magical dude. jewelry. How dare you? That's blasphemy, sir. The oh, way that's exactly what it is. It's magical jewelry. No, it's a cool he glowing ring. Is okay though. You know what I mean? He looks like he looks generic as hell, but I mean, he doesn't look like a bad a bad marcher on a. A Castro City or Castro Street march in San Francisco, like Aquaman does. I mean, like I know Jackal. I'm not allowed Whoa. to say certain things, but dude, Aquaman Whoa. looks like he's a ticket holding fan. Whoa. 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 He may come from under the sea, but he looks like he's from over the rainbow, bro. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> he may come from under the sea, but he looks like he's from over the rainbow. <laughs> Please address all your hate mail to Johnny Alpha at theroundtablesshow dot com. <laughs> I mean, even when they gave him the beard and he had the Triton hand, he looked like a pedophile. You know, I'm like, I'm like, okay, they tried to toughen him up. Wow! I just thought he was lame. Like this dude's like calling him a pedophile. Like, I don't think Aquaman deserves that kind of shame. Holy crap, dude! Like, like one, I didn't say he actually was one. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's, 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 you're drawing a pretty fine line between looks and, and is. I don't know, man. It sounds like you're just saying he's a flat out pedophile. The way he comes out of your. I don't know. He was cool in that pilot, though. Remember the TV show pilot that they did? No, because they got Justin Hartley to play him, and because yeah, but Justin I mean that's what I'm saying. They did a really badass interpretation of him in this animated movie that's all i was trying to point no. out you know i don't know <laughs> well you effectively pointed it out i think i don't think it's, anyone's gonna forget now but there uh, speaking of which there was some kind of cool dc news that i heard tyrese gibson is on board to play um the john stewart green lantern in 2020 so hold your breath no. for that one but it's, it's official. <laughs> how, how is that how's that cool news who cares how's that cool news i like I like Green Lantern and I like Tyrese Gibson. I think it's a cool, like, big starring role for him. So, like, I'm kind of happy for the guy. But, like, it's in 2020, so like, fuck knows if it even gets made now. You know what I mean? Like, it really depends on whether anybody really so likes. In, a, old in other words, then, right? In other words, we're, yeah. we're pretty much abandoning uh, Hal Jordan altogether for Green Lantern. Everybody, everybody I know was pissed. They made a movie about Hal Jordan. Everybody else was like, "Oh, they should have did Guy Gardner. or They should have did John Stewart." So I think I don't think that they were going to do Hal Jordan again, anyways, bro. To tell you the truth, well, especially because Ryan Ryan Reynolds jumped ship and is firmly attached to Deadpool now. DC wouldn't touch him at this point. I don't. Think. I don't think they were ever going to get. And him I don't think they were going to re- get him back or recast him. So yeah, it's better to just go with a different Green Lantern if you're going to use Green Lantern. Yeah, there's like a couple million of them. So I mean, it's I don't really care. Hold on, uh, you guys are mistaking my question here or, or my comment. I don't care whether Ryan Reynolds plays Hal Jordan again. 
I don't care about Ryan Reynolds. He's an actor. I'm talking about the character of Hal Jordan. It's a much better character. It's a much richer character than John Stewart or Guy Gardner or any other Green Lanterns. Oh yeah, the character. That's why I'm like, really, you're not gonna, you know, go back to that character. I don't. Hey, reboot it with a different actor. I don't care about Ryan Reynolds playing. In fact, he's better for Deadpool anyway than he is for for Green Lantern. So yeah, if he's gonna play DC, they, he should be like. Booster Gold. Wally West. No, Wally West or Booster Gold actually wouldn't be bad for Ryan Reynolds. But yeah, look, really honestly, the, yeah, the Hal Jordan character I think is a great character for for uh, the DC universe, and I really would hate for them to like completely ignore it because of a bad movie. And they should get Channing Tatum to play him this time. And that way, shut your mouth, Chan- shut your goddamn blasphemy mouth. That way, they could get Channing Tatum off a of gambit, and that's that's good news. Because oh, dude, you're on fire tonight. He's going to be awful. <laughs> Channing Tatum is Green Lantern. Wow. Well, they'll get Joni, Jonah Hill to play Green Lantern. There you go. Yeah, let's get the fat guy to play Green Lantern. That works. There's probably a fat Green Lantern somewhere, man. I mean, <laughs> he could play the. He could play. Uh, what's his name? What's the Green Lantern? That's he could play uh, Guy Gardner. I mean, like nobody alien? really cares. Yeah, oh, one of those I'll... squishy looking alien ones. Yeah, the squishy looking alien dude, the the pink dude. What's his name? He's he's big and Sinestro? got a foul mouth. No, no, no. The pink, pink kill... fat kill killgog or killawog. Killawog, yeah, killawog, yeah. Yep. That actually doesn't it. sound horrible. I don't. I, I don't see him as killawog, but okay. So, so no, I, I think like I can that, like. That. Michael Clark Duncan. Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah, that's what I was saying. He would. He actually did the voice of killawog in the movie, didn't he? Yeah, and like he fit, you know. You you expect a big old voice coming, like you got to hill playing killer. Like, all right, I'm gonna teach you how to be a Green Lantern. <laughs> yeah, that's not gonna work too well. Yeah, <laughs> we don't want to turn this into a slapstick comedy. Uh, you mean like the first one? What? Not Jackal. I mean, come on. Because that's what didn't work with the first one. It was too stupid. Uh, okay. Oh, you know the night. All you like is dark movies with no humor. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Come on, take all the humor out of this crap. We need we need bat nipples too. That's what we really need. <laughs> but but I think we I think we ought to just go back to Joel Schumacher. Get him in no. there to direct the next Green Lantern. That'll be great. But does anybody have anything about the the, the fight in Old Man versus Stupid Man? I mean, like, did you guys read that? Or you? Guys I really don't care about, about the thing? fight. I, I, I'm so like not even interested in that movie. Well, he's gonna oh, have like it's, it's gonna, gonna have like it's gonna be a good fight though. I mean, the, it's don't a very care. good visual director. Well, At the end of the day, is Ben Affleck fighting well, Henry Cavill? Just don't care. Well, the last one I read, Batman is gonna have like an Iron Man suit that shoots rockets. So I mean, like, that's so Batman. Woo! Who cares? That's so Batman. That's so Batman, exactly. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what's the guy's name? Guillermo uh, Crispo is that who uh, the fight choreographer is? I guess Crispo. Um, I thought yes. David Goyer was Mocuspo. doing, but yeah, it's the fight choreographer. He mostly talks about the story of how it's going to come together, and he says. The fact that they're actually fist fighting, which seems like a really stupid idea for Batman, is supposedly going to make a lot of sense. Um, He's going to have like an Iron Man suit on, like from what I've read, right? Dude, all I know is the fights in Watchmen were awesome, and I totally trust this director to put together some good-looking visual fights. It's the same guy? Yeah. No. Jack Snyder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but he's directing like Henry Cavill. I mean, like, would ah, that's right. the problem. And yeah, yeah but problem. And he's got a good 
fight choreographer to help him direct Henry Cavill in these no. fights. Has he got the guy from the raid? That'd be awesome. See Henry Cavill <laughs> punching all fast? I don't even think he could do it. Yeah, but CGI, man. It'll make him do it. Still, my problem is that he's going to be fighting Ben Affleck as Batman. And yeah, he's going to be beating an old wrap, guy. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because like, Batman's supposed to be old in this movie. I just can't wrap my mind around the fact that this is Ben Affleck in the Batsuit and well, here's one problem. Batman doesn't talk a Done. lot, right? Like, if Batman doesn't talk a lot... And Look, if Batman... Talk, if, if the first line we hear from Batman is on the same exact vocal vocal tone that he's going to use as Bruce Wayne, I'm going to be pissed. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Be- I, I read that they're going to have him growl. Like, they've already came out and said that, like, yeah, Ben Affleck's going to be doing the, the Bale growler version of it. He but, better be growling, because that's what I want to hear Batman sound like. I don't want to hear, like... Hey, Freeze, I'm Batman. Uh, Mr. Freeze, I'm Batman. <laughs> Here, I come to save the day. I think we need I think we need Clooney back again. That's what we need. Dude, like, to tell you no. the truth, I think if they did, like, uh, uh, Adam West-style Batman, Ben Affleck would be awesome at that, dude. No. I mean, he's really good at comedy. And, like, if he was like, oh, old chum, old chum with it. And that would be epic. <laughs> That's how they should have went with this film. Honestly, like, it would have been so make good. It old a, chum. Make it a, you know what, make it a... <laughs> Make it a period piece. Yeah, that'd be great. Old chum. I love that. <laughs> Old chum. <laughs> <laughs> or no, remember, um, remember how they played in um, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, uh, how they did the Goodwill Hunting? Yeah. Like, if they played it like that, like in their joke of Goodwill Hunting remake. Like, the way he kind of acts, like, all goofy and like. You know what's oh, messed like, up, though? I, I, those apples. I love <laughs> <them> apples. <laughs> yeah. You know, that would be the only thing that would make me interested in watching him as Batman, if he actually played it like that, but I don't think he's going to play it like that. No, he's going to be, he's going he's gonna to make Daredevil seem like a slapstick comedy. He's going to be trying to be so, he's going to bring <laughs> his Gone Girl game to Batman, and it's going to just be, it's going to be Gone Girl, all right. But... <laughs> Wait, was Gone Girl? Yeah, and, and the girl's going to be uh, Henry Cavill. But here's the thing, guys. <laughs> We all saw Daredevil, and we all saw when he tried to sound intense and, and menacing as Daredevil. Yeah, he sounded like a fat kid playing basketball, like, trying to ask for something. Yes. Yeah, you're like two people I ever loved. Now, <gasps> up the ante in this, he's playing the Dark Knight, okay? And he has to sound more menacing and more badass than Superman, who could squash him like a bug. Well, it's not hard. Henry Cavill, I found him, Mom. I know where I came from. He doesn't sound tough at all. So I mean, I'm And <laughs> there lies the main issue. Neither one of these two cats sound menacing or tough. They both sound like schoolgirls. Both of them. Aww. But that's great. This is what it is. Batman versus yeah, Superman. This is like metro sexual edition. We gotta be. This is like metro sexual superheroes. Is metro sexual superheroes what you're getting here? Yes. Yes. That's what Jesus. it should be called. Metrosexual Superman. That'd I thought be that's awesome. what the comics stood for. I mean, like, they have characters Dirty cocks. jewelry and <laughs> undersea <laughs> the rainbow. You didn't even catch that. You didn't catch Green that. Green Lantern shops at Jared. <laughs> DC stands for Dirty Cocks. <laughs> Those are some strong arguments being put forth there. <laughs> I hate to sound like such a Marvel fanboy, but yeah, man, I'm sorry. Uh, I agree. Anyway, what's next on the round table there, uh, John uh, Alpha? They've cast Supergirl for TV. Um, I forget her name. Ah, jeez. More shit I don't care about. Well, she's going to cross over with Arrow and the Flash, man. Arrow and Woo-hoo! The Flash. Wait, you don't care about a Supergirl show? 
I do. Jackal obviously doesn't. Here's why I don't care because this is for TV, right? Yeah. It's for TV. How so interesting no. could a Supergirl TV show be on TV? I don't know. They gave Brandon Ralph his own Adam show, so I'm pretty sure Supergirl can like another show. I have no interest in ever watching Adam. That's that's the rumor. Yeah, he's gonna have his own show. Wow, that's the rumor. Brandon, you you are moving up Hmm. in the world, man. Now he has he he actually has become Tom Welling. Shout out to you, bro! Wow, he started off trying to become Christopher Reeve. Now he's become Tom Welling. He's one of the CW on his own TV show. Moving up in the world. Ah. Hey, he he's pretty good. Well, hey, if he gets ten, look, if he gets ten years worth of work off of this Adam gig, that's awesome. He's that's almost good like as Ray Palmer. Like DC's TV has like a Tony Stark Ray character. Palmer. He plays. Isn't hmm. his name Ray Palmer? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just said Harry. All right, this girl's name is Melissa Benoist. Exactly. Melissa Moist. Oh, isn't that a porn star? <laughs> she, she looks. She looks. Sorry. She's not a porn star, but she has been naked. No, she film. she looks underage to tell you the truth. So I don't think so. Oh. Well, she just looks that way because she was on Glee or some shit. Uh, oh. yeah, she looks like she was. <laughs> How on many set? actors from Glee are they going to like give roles to? By the way, really? Isn't She's that, from Glee. Wow. Isn't the, isn't the dude from like uh, Arrow? Not no, Arrow. The, but, the Flash. Um, was the Flash. Glee. Right. Yeah. Who did he play in Glee? I don't know, but I'm I'm excited the for guys, a, a musical <laughs> episode coming up. I'm pretty sure he's going to rock that <laughs> yeah. shit. You know CW and their musical mm, episodes, no. so. <laughs> Man, <laughs> CW really used to have that show Cop Rock. Jesus, dude. You brought up What? Cop. I was actually making fun of that show the other day, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's from like well, 93, man. That's like old, old. Well, I'm just saying because, you know, CW is like... There wasn't even a CW back then. I think that show was like on... Uh, it had to be on Network or maybe Fox, bro. That was on Fox, yeah, I think so. Here's a question, though, with this Melissa Benoist um, Supergirl. Is this going to be canon to the movies or the TV shows or its own thing? If it's its own thing, is there going to be a Superman in this also because she's his cousin? So are we going to have him as part of the origin, or is this going to be completely a yeah? They're going to let they're going to let Brandon Ralph. Uh, no, they're going to they're, they're going to do like they did in the old Supergirl movie. They're going to talk about Clark Kent, her cousin, and stuff like that, but they're not going to show him. I bet you type of thing, or kind of like they did on Birds of Prey. With but Batman. who's who's going to be the Superman? That's her cousin. Is it going to be Henry Cavill, Brandon Ralph, Tom Welling, Christopher uh, Reeves? It'll be a picture. It'll be a picture of Tom Welling. It'll be really funny if they have like a picture of George Reeves, like the old Superman. Why not? (laughs) And even even better have Ben Affleck as that Superman from the from Hollywood. I swear to God, I swear to God, I hope that happens. Oh my God, that That would be so epic. Don't miss the roundtable where we talk about Tom Willing and the Fog remake and Cop Rock. I don't want to hear about no goddamn Supergirl. Give me Superman, goddammit. Maybe Superboy. (laughs) Give me a Robin TV show. How's that? Oh, man, please. (laughs) No, no. Like, from what I understand, Nightwing's in development. He's got to be eight. He's got to be eight. That's all I'm saying. Let him be eight years old. (laughs) Like, there's a Teen Titans show that's supposed to have Tim Drake on it. So there's going to be two Robins on No, no. Johnny. Johnny. Be the guy that's playing uh, Bruce, the kid that's playing Bruce Wayne on on Gotham. Just let him play Robin too. 
why, 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 don't, why not in Gotham they just have him be Robin before he was Batman when he's young and like have him like, as well. him too. like have him dress up and like that's like his first like superhero character that he was like I, I'm pretty sure there's somebody that we know that would be really excited about that news oh yeah I would be really excited too oh yeah <laughs> world's biggest Robin fan folks Man, that's scarier than a fucking dolphin's vagina, bro. Jesus. Woo, Jesus. Oh, he's so <laughs> I love how you brought that back around. He's so <laughs> to the DC universe. We've got to have him in there. Oh, dude, like, there wouldn't be a Batman anymore if there wasn't Robin. Like, Robin has kept exactly. that series afloat for Robin decades. is king. <laughs> yes. Robin is the reason for the seasons. <laughs> Got that right. Yep. Oh man! Anyway, uh, so look, this uh, Supergirl show—thumbs up or thumbs down? What do you guys think? I'm looking forward to it. I, I like girl superheroes, and if it's done right, like it could be as fun as the Flash, which I really love. So, yeah, thumbs uh, up. I'll give it, I'll give it a okay. shot. So, thumbs up for you, Johnny Alpha. Thumbs up for you, uh, Scorpio. Yeah, thumbs up. This might be the first DC show I actually watch. And uh, Zod Rider, thumbs up for you. I'll try it out. I don't know. I mean, I'm <laughs> too excited. A lot, a lot That's a sure way that I'll try it out. It's like it's like a plastic vagina. I'll try it out. Yeah, I mean, I break it. Shows, <laughs> a lot of these shows now. <laughs> a dolphin vagina. Never mind. DC Comics is like dolphin vaginas. They're just <laughs> dirty cocks. Look, uh, I don't. I don't. I, I don't care so much about the character of Supergirl. It's not a, really an important character to me. I would have rather have seen other uh, DC hero- heroines in there. Uh, but whatever, it, it's an interesting idea if they do it right, like you guys said, if, they, if it's you know true to the nature of, of the comic and whatever. But here's the thing: it's going to be tough for them to incorporate a whole new Superman mythology in the backstory of Supergirl because you know she is so tied into Superman. Uh, I would kind of hope that they tied into the cinematic universe, but they're not doing that with the TV stuff. So I don't know. It's going to be intriguing. But the the one female lead show that I do like a lot is Agent Carter. I will say that that is an awesome show, and uh, I hope this. If, look, if Supergirl is even half the show that is, then DC has a shot at uh, actually producing some good TV. Because... It would be nice if this Supergirl was an actual cinematic universe tie-in, right? Show it would make that would make it unique from all the other ones that DC's trying to do now. DC doesn't but... think that people will watch TV characters on big screen, which is their fatal flaw because to tell you the truth I think they would sell a lot better if they had the Flash Kid and the Arrow guy like on, on in the movie. Yeah, honestly I mean, especially when they finally culminate and do their Justice League, whatever Yeah. It's stupid because it, this is a perfect way for them to have these characters get the exposure they need without giving them all solo films before Justice League in a couple of years. Well, yeah, and then they can that also introduce stupid. goofy other stuff that's going to show up in their future films like what Marvel's doing doing with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter, you know what I mean? Like, they're going to... It's a very good idea to try to do that, to expand your universe, but they think that David Goyer and Zack Snyder can knock it out of the park making movies every two years or whatever the hell they're doing. Anyway, so what's next on the roundtable there, Johnny Alpha? Anything uh, left? I think that's about all of Alex's stories, bro. Damn, we ran right through that like the flu, huh? Right. Uh, well, yeah. then, hey, do we care about the X-Men casting? Do you no, know the, really. the people's names? <laughs> I, I don't even know what else no. they've been, and I just know that they actually look cool. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's it's interesting casting. I wonder how long it's going to take Brian Singer before he bribes the shirt off of the Cyclops All kid. All right. But, yeah. 
Uh, but aside from that, like that's pretty much all I got to say about X Men movie because it's got neat casting, just like all the other films. But it's gonna suck because Brian Singer's directing it and pow pow, he sucks. Yeah, yeah. and his X Men movies suck worse than his like other stuff. So we could have, we could honestly all agree on this topic here tonight. And, not Scorpio, to... he likes him. Yeah, not well, me. I love all the X Men movies. Yeah, well, I guess almost all of us could agree on it then. You love all the X Men movies, including. No, he didn't like. Uh, he didn't like First Class. And he yeah, didn't I like didn't Joe really. Wolverine. Yeah, I didn't really. Like Why didn't you like First Class? That's really the only one that I could like stomach. I mean, like, yeah, that's it, I really. I mean, it was the only one that was palatable. Like it was the farthest they, from the comics, though. They fucked up the most stuff in that movie out of any X Men movie. Yeah, more, they, more they, than Days of Future ooh. Past, really. More. Than, yeah, more than Days of Future Past. Uh, I, mean, I, I think you're playing favorites a little bit with that one, bro, but. I mean, come on, look what they did with, with the villain in First Class. Like, they totally took the character of Mr. Look Sinister what they and did the character the of vill- Apocalypse and then put them onto Sebastian Shaw, which made no sense whatsoever. Look at what they did to the villain in Days of Future Past. They had Thrask there. Did they do anything with them? No. Magneto and Richard Nixon were the fucking bad guys of the movie. So, I mean, like, it's, it's teeter-totter, man. It's the same shit. Well, I guess what they kind of do is they want to focus more on the heroes in these X-Men movies than the villains, which... Yeah, and everybody remembers Richard Nixon in the classic comic Days of Future Past. That was that was totally canon. Well, it's a movie. It's making, actually, I will I will say I will say this for you, Johnny, because you sound like you're a big fan of the classic, the classic uh, canon of X Men. Graphic Audio is doing a audio dramatization of the original Days of Future Past storyline ag- adapted directly from the graphic novel. It's going to be coming out in April of this year. Oh, so, cool. Just letting you know, it's going to be cool. Fully casted and everything. The last one they did was Death of Captain America, and the one coming out... Uh, oh, shit. They did Death of Captain America? Did they do the whole lead-up? Did they do, like, uh, The Winter Soldier, Red Minister? Oh, yeah, they did, it they did it all. They did it all. Well, no, what they did was they did Civil War, and then they did Death of Captain America, and the next one that they're doing, the one that's coming out in February, is uh, Marvel Secret Wars. The old one? Yeah, they're adapting the, the original. Or the one that Vince yeah. did in like O two. They're uh, the original, the original okay. uh, cl- classic storyline. They're adapting that one, and then they got, uh, and then that's when they got the the um, Days of Future Past is the one after that that they're going to do. And I personally can't wait because I love the original Days of Future Past storyline as well. So, so I'm uh, not me. It should have been about else. Wolverine. God damn it! They made it right. In that <laughs> <film>. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can always do it with a little more Wolverine. Yeah. But uh, really what exactly is the appeal of these things? Again, these well, uh, they're full cast. No, no, these, these audio oh. things you're talking about. The audios that they're full cast. They're full cast dramatizations of graphic novels and it's like old radio shows. It's like listening to the but, sh- but it's done, the but it's done better. Like you, it's it's done better though than old time radio. It's almost like uh, it's almost like a movie without the visuals. It's pretty impressive. I, I'm a big fan. Which is kind of weird because when they're making like all kinds of weird noises, you got to pretend that you hear like a spaceship flying around like... Meanwhile, back in the Alps, Captain America was yeah. fighting Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be like, well, the bebop and the squeaking, that must mean something. And then you visualize where it might be. 
I'll, I'll check it out though, man. It sounds it sounds neat. You know what I mean? Like I haven't I have you. Yeah, well, me. I'm gonna. Well, I'm. Don't worry. I'm gonna buy it and then I'm gonna put it on my Plex server. So you're welcome to listen to All it right. anytime you like. Because it's because it's awesome stuff. It's awesome. By the way, I uh, actually per. I, I, one more thing. I actually purchased Death of Captain America, and that is on my Plex server as well with all the nice. rest of the Marvel stories that they've done. I think they even did a Guardians of the Galaxy one. Uh, nice. So, so, yeah. Check that out later. Ow, pow. Yeah. Death of Captain America, that's a hell of a book, man. But the thing is, is, it's like you really you really got to read like the whole Brubaker run to get to that. You got to read Winter Soldier, Red Menace, and then the Death of Captain America because like the entire lead up to it's it's very important. So like I don't know if you're going to get the full story from just listening to that. Like I w- I would really suggest I think it's a I think it's a full 6 I think it's like 6 and a half hours the full storyline, 6 and a half, maybe 7. Damn. Um, I have to. I have to check a the lot of listening. Time. In fact, let me look at it right now. Let me find the. I'm gonna find the uh, runtime for you. Yeah, that's like watching the Lord of the Rings movies and on marathon right there, bro. Yeah, and I can't do that shit no more. No. Well, I mean, you, you know, the best thing about graphic audio is you know you listen to these things when you're when you got other stuff to do and you're traveling, whatever. And this is good because they're good because they help the time go by awfully fast when you're. When you get engrossed in a good story like that, you know, especially if you know this story, like the comic book story and stuff, you know, and it's nice to have something that actually follows the comic book storylines to to the letter as opposed to something like you see a movie like Days of Future Past and you're like, that's not how the story was. But, you know, yeah, it was better. Yeah, they put Richard Nixon in it. That made it like the Watchmen. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, what? Anyway, moving on. I uh, got a, a story here we all missed to uh, missed this weekend. We haven't talked about it yet. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but Luke Evans officially departed the Crow remake. Any oh, thoughts, good. feelings towards that? I think it, I think it's a good. I, I think it's good because like th- they keep just replacing people, and other people just fall into it, and it doesn't seem like anybody gives a rat's ass about the project. And I think that what made the first Crow film so special, even though it wasn't like the best adaptation, it's a it's a tremendous film. It's amazing, and that's because Alex Poya loved the project. I mean, he was into it. Alex Proyas made that movie as gothic as possible and it fit beautifully with that and, and with that concept. Brandon Lee, perfect film. Brandon Lee yep. was in love with the film. You know what yep. I mean? And like I think to do this this story right, you're going to have to find people like that that are so passionate about the project mm-hmm. to make it actually fly. And I think that Luke Evans would have just came in and he'd have played his normal Luke Evans kind of Eric Draven and it would have been awful. I'm not saying that it would be like I um wicked prayer or anything, but it, it's not going to be what I'd want out of a. The, the problem with this series, though, is how do you replace Brandon Lee? They haven't been able to do it. Well, they already sequels. tried. They already tried no, with but, yeah, the no, but City no, of but, Angels, which was not City of Angels, The Crow Stairway to Heaven, which was a television right. yeah, series. Yeah, but they find Joe, and they they, they got Mark Dacoskis to play him. I mean, yeah, yeah but I mean, that's but that's on TV and it didn't do that well. That's the, like one one season, so it, 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 yeah, it only went one season. And how do you uh, how do you replace him? And, right, but how do you replace him cinematically? I don't think it's that easy. Yeah, uh, especially you're not this character, it's, it's it's almost nearly impossible. It's the it's like replacing uh, Heath Ledger as the Joker now and. Right, it's iconic. Exactly. Yeah, he has he has that terrible task of replacing you know Heath Ledger, Uh, and look, he might nail it out of the park. He might be awful as the Joker, but whoever replaces Brandon Lee as Eric Draven in the Crow remake has some big boots to fill. And I don't know if anybody is you know 
up to the to the challenge of that. It's a tough, tough movie to get right, first of all. And then you have that looming over you that the last guy who played his part on the big screen was Brandon Lee, and he died in the movie. So uh, it, it's a it's a tough one. I I just think they should leave well, this one alone and never remake it. To be honest, I with agree well, the completely. Thing, the thing is, is like there was such a tug of war going on with the production. Like the 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 director and writers, they wanted to make it um, like the graphic novel. They were talking about actually like doing the source material properly but the the studio is mandating a pg-13 from it and there's no way there is no way you could do james obar's crow as a pg-13 film i mean it's impossible i mean the first scene alone is like a junkie stealing a vcr talking about he's going to be in the rock tonight you know like right there's no way you could do a whole film of like that kind of grit and disgusting and make it family friendly it's it's impossible exactly exactly yeah, I just kind of hope they leave this one alone. To be honest, uh, there's no need to remake a classic like this one. And uh, it, it's not—we're not talking about something that is easier to adapt, like RoboCop. It's easier to right. Change. And it's actually—it's a time. It's actually kind of the Crow in and of itself is a ti- is really a timeless film. You can watch it at any time, and it, it really does. It holds up so well, yeah. The time yes. that it was made in, not to mention it was it was done about ten years after the graphic novel, but it was done in the same kind of time. You know, like there was no cell phones. You know, like everything was more primal in the nineties, and you know everything right. was more brutal. It was a type of story that you could really sink your teeth in and almost believe in that era. But now, with the way shit is, it's kind of like there's no way you could actually properly do it right. They would try to modernize it a little bit, you know, and it just it, it doesn't fit. I'm with Jackal. Either leave it alone or actually get people that are just in love with the project and the story. I don't know. If there's any film filmmakers out there that are that in love with this project as uh, Alex Proyer was and uh, and. Brandon Ralph were. They should get. Uh, I mean, they, should get they should get Ralph. him. They should get the same director. To why not? I don't know whether. I don't know whether. Yeah. I don't know well, why they haven't done that. He's, he's a great director. I haven't yeah. seen him since The Knowing, and like he, that motherfucker needs work. I mean, like that movie sucked. And I mean, get him to come in. The and Knowing wasn't really that bad, really. Yeah. You don't like the knowing? That was a good Compared movie. Compared like... to The Crow and Dark City, Ro- I well, Robot and The yeah. Knowing were garbage, man. I mean, like Whoa, his yeah, beginning of his career, movie. they were so visual and such stunning films that just were set apart from everything else that came out of the indie scene at that time. And then he just goes and makes like this kind of commercial garbage that has none of his visual style that he established with those first two films. I mean, he kind of sold out and let me down, you know what I mean? So like, it would be cool if he returned to The Crow and like he's like, okay, we're going to do it different this time. We're going to actually do it like the comic and we're gonna have like uh shelby the giant and them characters in it and like i'd be like hell yeah bring it on dude but i, I here i i, I kind of see what you're saying with irobot because i wasn't a big fan of that movie either but i really like knowing a lot i thought that movie was brilliant and the last like 20 minutes of that movie alone was just uh, phenomenal uh so I, I completely disagree there i think that was actually one of his better movies in fact to me the best three movies he ever did was the crow dark city and knowing everything else is suspect Everything else is. Well, he's know, only done the four, at least. Like those are the only ones. No, he's, he's, he's done. A, he's done some short movies. He's done some other video stuff, but he's only done really like four or five movies. Yeah, and now he has Gods of Egypt coming out pretty soon in 2016. But he's still making movies. It's not like he's retired or or anything like I that. I haven't so heard. About I'm with Zod Rider. I, I wouldn't. I I wouldn't. You know, be opposed to him coming back for the Crow. I think that's a good idea. So I'm with Zod Rider 100 percent on that. Oh no! If he comes back and he brings his visual style with them, they hit from his early films. Hell yeah! I, I would like to see that. So anyway, there you go. That's uh, Luke Evans, huh? I, I couldn't see him as Dr- Eric Draven anyway. To be honest with you, I just exactly. 
He was completely wrong. It was a complete miscast. I would have rather they got the guy, Mark Tikoskis, from the TV show to come back and do it than Luke Evans. Yeah, Yeah, that would be like the the Sci-Fi Channel Asylum version of The Crow with Mark Tikoskis. That's pretty much it. Well, I mean, have you seen seen any of the episodes of the the show? I mean, they tried tried TV-wise to to be... No, it it was awful. It made Wicked Prayer... It was like Wicked Prayer bad, like the episode I saw. It was, yeah. It was pretty bad. Like, my friend was... And I, I watched it recently my friend was telling me all about it like on um my friend sal he was telling me all about it on one of my facebook groups so i decided to check it out and like i was just like i i didn't tell him what i thought but like i was just like jesus i can't watch this it's it's as awful. a huge fan of the comics and, and the old crow film with brandon Lee. i even like the city of angels movie a little bit not the greatest yeah, a little bit ever, yeah but it was decent it was a, a decent follow-up considering especially when you what they had the to overcome them. yeah and the rest the, of the films yeah. after that. I, I mean, thought oh, Salvation yeah. was the best sequel, to tell you the truth. I liked, oh, I liked, well, Salvation wasn't that bad either, but it wasn't that good either. I think City of Angels, to me, was the closest to the first one in the style and look. I, I like Vincent Perez as uh, as uh, the crow in it. thought he was really good in, yeah, in the movie. Yeah, he was really intense, really good. He just had a bad yeah. film. But see, I don't think the movie was bad either. I think it fit that. Well, the end, end was just awful. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand. Like, the crows flew through him and like killed the sorcerer. I mean, it was just like, what does that mean? You know? Like, the first movie had a decisive <laughs> ending. You know what I mean? Like, he got his vengeance. There was not all this woogity boogie. Granted, skin. the ending wasn't the best, but eh, overall, the movie had his his but, it, but it had back, its moments. But back to this, I think that Luke Evans, like, he could have been really good as the the guy in Crow skinning the wolves. He could have. He could have been. No, he could have been good as Top Dollar. Remember Top Dollar from the from the first? Oh yeah, I could see the bad guy with that. Yeah, but like, yeah, he'd be. But like, he's like. He doesn't have that raspy voice that Top Dollar had, but. I think he could have pulled yeah, that no, look off. Michael you know? Wint Todd had like a voice that like pretty much sold, but like I think yeah, Luke Evans would have been all right as top dollar. But like in the comics, he's like the second guy to die. You know what I mean? In the movie, right. they really played up his importance and like he was the big dude to take down. But in the movies, he was kind of a scrub. Like the little the the, the underlings that actually like shot him and killed his fiance. Like that was the focus of the comics. So like that's how I at least the way they were talking about this movie that like if they got him to play top dollar, like you'd basically just have a cameo in the movie. Basically. Well, I guess anyway. that depends. Are they trying to reinterpret the comics again, or do they want to remake the movie? That's a good question. That's a good question. Yeah. yeah. Because if it's just remake the movie and do it the way the movie did it, then we're not going to get anything close to the original comic. We're going to get something adaptive. Right. The At movie, this yeah. point, they need to do, if they're going to bother, they need to not re-adapt the film. They need to adapt the comic. Go back to the comics. Yeah, Go back well, to the comics. Go back to the source. Well, what if they did like the? Um, did you guys read in the '90s when Todd McFarlane had um, produced that one that um, John J. Muth did at Image that was kind of like a noiristic retelling of the the Crow with Eric Draven and stuff that had like it was more focused on the detective and stuff. It it was it wasn't very. It was a per- it was a period piece, wasn't it? And it yeah. had like uh, I, I vaguely like remember this comic. It, it, it was okay. It was nothing compared to the original, but I mean, it would be an interesting way to take like a remake of the film, maybe to do like that image version of it. Oh, right. kind of like Sam and Twitch with Spawn, where they had the thing about the detectives. Yeah, I think that that's kinda, basically what kinda, Todd McFarlane kind of like um, brought brought to the table with it, because like it was like Todd McFarlane presents The Crow by John J. Muth and blah blah blah. He got like some Vertigo guys to do it for him, and it, it was good compared to like. Some of the other kind of crow comics that came out of Kitchen Sink, um, toward after like Dead Time and um, 
Flesh and Bone, like those were really good, but the ones that kind of followed that were like, meh. You know what I mean? Until I are you are you talking? And have you now have you read the the Japanese one that they did? Um, I, I can't remember if it was Kitchen Sink that did it. Um, I, no, I think th- I think you're talking about the first one that IDW did with the, the dude with the samurai sword. Oh yeah, yeah, IDW did it. Yeah, yeah, that was the first one. IDW. Yeah, that one's awesome. I like all the IDW ones a lot. Those are really good Crow comics, especially Skinning the Wolf. That's my favorite one. But the one that like it was just called the Crow is the first one that they did with the the, the Japanese guy. Yeah, that was badass. All right, guys, we got to hit another commercial break. When we come back, we got our top ten list and also the weekend box office top ten results. This week, uh, our top ten list is going to be our favorite scenes in films and our favorite dialogues in those scenes. So stick around. This is the roundtable. We'll be back with more and a few on the other side. Step upon the block just to knock down the buildings No rider's block, got the plot pack, got the feeling Everyone's watching, I'ma pop from the ceiling With a sniper rifle, no stopping, no type of penicillin No saving from the pain that I'ma send and believe it I'm itching to get a Steven, you started with your deceiving No point in your own SoFloRadio.com remains on the air with free archives Thanks to the support of our listeners Help keep us on the air by clicking the donate button on SoFloRadio.com And thank you for your generous support Strawberry patch and smoothie cup. Get your hands off me! Huh? I said don't touch me! I shouldn't have went to that party last night. Now I'm seeing talking fruit. You're not dreaming bub of it. And you're not putting me in that blender. But you're just a fruit. <laughs> Who are you calling a fruit? You are. You're, you're a delicious passion fruit. Why, sure I'm passionate. How would you like to be blended, huh? I got right, you know. Customers waiting. You gotta go. Yeah, but wait, you can poop. At Powers Smoothie in Aventura, we show fruit no mercy. Always fresh, always delicious. To make the best smoothies and wraps on earth, try our new cilantro lime delicious wrap or our hot chipotle chicken. Powers Smoothie in Aventura, located just north of the Aventura Mall in the Promenade Shops. Or call 305-792-5338. Open seven days a week. The most important See? It's easier than ever to listen to SoFlo. On the air and everywhere. On any computer, any mobile device, iPhone, iTouch, and anywhere you are, just hit SoFloRadio.com. Tell your friends about South Florida's radio network, SoFloRadio.com. Here's the latest ratings you asked for. What is this? Where did all our listeners go? Uh, SoFloRadio.com. SoFlo, what channel is that on? It's online, sir. It's Wi-Fi radio. Oh, I see. But what channel is it on? Put your business on the leading edge of media advertising with the SoFloRadio.com network. Unlike antiquated AM or FM radio, your professionally produced 30- or 60-second ad will be heard live on SoFloRadio.com during the day and will be downloaded thousands of times a day on SoFloRadio.com, as well as being heard on our free podcasts on iTunes. Wi-Fi radio and Bluetooth are now available with BMW, Ford, GM cars and trucks. Don't get left behind. Contact SoFloRadio.com for details and our very affordable rates soflowradio.com stay ahead of the game
All right, everybody, we're back on the round table, and now it's time for the box office top ten result. That's right, this is the box office week. This week, this weekend, and the weekend estimates are finally in. Weekend January 23rd through the 25th. The number ten movie of the box office this week was Into the Woods with 3.8 million, and uh, I still haven't seen it. I'm not interested. It's a, a musical. So. With Johnny Depp singing, right? And, Mer- and Meryl Streep. Yeah, it's... She's been big in musicals ever since Mamma Mia, so... Yeah, uh, not interested. So anyway, that's number 10, Into the Woods. Number 9, another movie with Johnny Depp, Mordecai, which debuted in its bombing as bad as his last, uh, what, three or four other movies? Except for In the movie. Woods, that's... Yeah, that's doing gang... Yeah, but he's... he's it's a musical. Yeah. Meryl Streep. Yeah, it's, people want to see it. Uh, what is this Mordecai about? Papa. I don't know. Yeah. It made $4.1 million uh, this past weekend, entering number nine at the box office. Not doing well on a $60 million budget. Is it a budget, Children so. of the Corn movie? Because like, that's what that name reminds me of. You know? Right. It's just a weird looking. I don't, I don't know. I have any idea what the movie's about, and it just looks weird. So yeah. I have no idea. Number uh, eight on the list, Selma, the biopic of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, came in with uh, a whopping $5 million. Number eight. Number seven on the uh, list here, Strange Magic by none other than Mr. George Lucas. Brought in $5.5 million. So how uh, the mighty have fallen from his one time. I thought he quit dominance. making films. Like, what? what's up with this? Well, I don't know. He wrote it. I don't know who directed it. I'm not sure oh, who directed okay. this movie. But, but he, it's his story. He wrote it. Alan Cummings is uh, one of the voice actors in it. Uh, that's really about the biggest name. Uh, even, even Rachel Wood is in it. That's about it. Okay. There's no other big names. So it's a cartoon? Yeah, it's a cartoon. It's all CGI cartoon. It's okay. called Strange Magic. Uh, it came on number seven again this week. Uh, debuted at the bo- at number seven. So number six, The Intimidation Game, uh, brought in $7.1 million. Uh, the Intimidation Game, of course, with The Cumber of Batch. Benedict Cumberbatch. Doctor Strange, man. Yes, that's him. It's doing pretty well. Considering it's uh, brought in, uh, let's see, seven million again this weekend. Its total so far is sixteen million dollars. Well, it's it's up. So. It's up for Oscars. It won Golden Globe, so it's it's like it's a happening film. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's getting the Oscar bump right now. Also, that you know that also helps when it's an Oscar. So you remember, this came out in November of uh, November twenty eighth last year. So I mean, this has already been out for a little bit. So it's getting that Oscar bump, which is uh, always helpful for these movies that are nominated. Uh, number five on the list, the movie I haven't seen yet. I'm kind of pissed at myself for not seeing it. Uh, with seven point six million, number five, Taken Three, and an old Zod writer. So Zod, what did you think of Taken Three? I really liked it. I can't wait for Taken Four. There you go. Number four on the list, The Wedding Ringer. With what? Eleven point huh? six million. Is that an Adam Sandler movie? No, it's not the Wedding Singer. The well, I Wedding maybe it was like Ringer. The, I thought maybe it was like the sequel to it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, unless Kevin Hart is playing Adam Sandler's part. Well, he's kind of no. like the African American Adam Sandler. So mm, back kinda. when back when Adam Sandler was funny, I guess I got to admit that because Kevin Hart's still funny. He's got a couple years. I'm pretty sure he's going to suck soon, but he's still funny right now. He hasn't, yeah, he hasn't really uh, worn out his welcome yet. Not yet. Number three on the list, uh, Paddington with twelve point three million. Have you guys seen Paddington? I, uh, no, but I want no interest. No, no the, bear. The, the bear looks like my cat, so like, I'm really interested. Like and until I, they remake BJ and the Bear, I have no interest. I, in I, I like Paddington bear. the Bear when I was a little kid, so like yeah, I'm gonna check it out just when it comes out, though. You know what I mean? Just to, to get nostalgia and see if it's any good. 
From what I understand, Benedict Cumberbatch cried at the end of it, so it's got to be pretty good. Either that, or he was like drunk or something. <laughs> this this he, is movie. Apparently, made the, he cries at the at the end of everything. So yeah, well, hold on. So know. this movie made the batch of Cumber cry. That's not good. That cannot be good. Made him cry it's like he a, was on again. It's made a lot of money though. It's made 169 million worldwide, so it's doing really really well. Uh, just uh, debuted January 16th in America, and it's already made 40 million here domestically. So. Apparently, uh, people like this uh, Paddington Bear movie. Twelve He's million this weekend. Classic. Now. I mean, Paddington Bear has been around for like a long time since before. Yeah, I never really played with bears as a kid, though. Sorry, wasn't my thing. Oh well, you're just so tough, aren't you? I like, was a tough. I, I, yeah, I, I, I was. I, was into, I played with GI Joes where you where you kids were playing with bears. Well, I mean, like bears. I, at a certain age, you you get into like uh, more adult stuff. But like when you're like little, little, you're supposed to like blame shit like bears. bears. Nah, I had dinosaurs and. All kinds of other stuff. Oh yeah, you're just a gangster. That's much cool. Yeah, my, yeah, dinosaurs are gangster. Yeah, they number are. two on the list, the boy next door. Speaking of gangsters, Jennifer Lopez's new movie. <laughs> They're letting her make movies still. <laughs> Jesus I, Christ, people. Yeah. Well, was it enough? Enough? I mean, like after that movie. <laughs> <laughs> just, just I thought Jiggly was enough. Like after Jiggly, I was like, okay, we can put a wrap into her acting career. Like it's a wrap. Jennifer, that's it. Go, go away. Yeah. Just, you know, just take pictures of your ass from time to time, and you know that's good enough. But she even had a movie that told the world this is enough, and they still didn't get it. I mean, come on. Yeah. So there you go. The Boy Next Door, number two, with fifteen million dollars, and the number one movie in America for the second week in a row. American Sniper, with sixty-four million dollars at the box office, bringing his uh, total domestic total to two hundred million. And uh, foreign market forty seven million, so it's a total run of two hundred and forty seven million within the last uh, couple weeks uh, of release, two or three weeks of release. Doing really good business, American Sniper. So uh, it's getting that big Oscar push. Now it would be funny if this ends up being the biggest movie of twenty fourteen, because it did come out on December twenty fifth, so it would count as twenty fourteen's box office. Uh, imagine if this actually ends up being the number one movie of the year. Huh. It's it it's possible. Well, it's what, another hundred and thirty million to what, uh, one hundred and thirty five to what's pass. What's gonna beat um, Mocking Goose? Uh, yeah, the, Hunger yeah, Games. That, the Hunger Games. Yeah, that's the number uh, one movie right I, now. I hope it does. Like, go for the glory, um, Bradley Cooper Smith. You can do it. I I got my faith in you. <laughs> yeah, the Hunger Games. Oh come on! Day everybody Park loves Park. the Hunger Games. No, maybe you, really. maybe you and Tim Corbin can watch that shit, man. But like, I'm cool. No. Like I, I might watch the Maze Runner. Yeah, I'm on. Maybe not Hunger Games. The Maze awesome. Runner. <laughs> hey, Divergence wasn't too bad. No, you Rich. watched Detergent. Oh. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like Detergent looks better than the Hunger Games, to tell you the truth. But I'm not going to watch it either because, like, they both. It's not. It's you... not. It, look, it's not much better, but it's not as annoying as the Hunger Games. I don't know. I think Shan Woodley's face is kind of annoying, more annoying than Jennifer Lawrence's. Oh, come on. She's not that bad. She's not that bad, but there's nothing to her. She's boring. She's just like a boring white girl, you know what I mean? Was, she... I guess. Okay, you're going to tell me she's like smoking, but... like she's got like this amazing face you could just look at for hours. She's a redhead, man. She's a ginger. Love yeah, no, I got a lot of shit for this one last year. I said she was really plain looking, and people jumped all over me like, how could you yeah, see that? True. Don't be a hater. For real, man, and now you're being a hater. 
God, yeah, out loud, you, too. You could send that tough revolutionary guy from detergent after me, too. I'm, I'm really scared of him. <laughs> like, like, honestly, like, I'm supposed to believe that guy's a revolutionary? I mean, he looks like maybe, maybe the Dance Dance Revolution. That's about the only revolution I, that much, I believe that that guy's a part of, man. Uh, anyway, that's funny. Dance Dance Revolution. Anyway, now moving on from uh, that box office results for the weekend, we actually have our top ten uh, list, our own personal list. Uh, and our list this week, as we said, our top ten is going to be uh, favorite scenes in movies and our favorite dialogue in these movies, our favorite piece of dialogue within these scenes. Uh, so rounding off uh, right now, let's go with uh, Johnny Alpha first off on the table here. Johnny Alpha, give us your top ten list for the week. Uh, um, I, I, I went different i i misunderstood the list i went with uh, scenes that I, I i really liked i didn't know it was supposed to be from films that i really liked so I, well, it doesn't matter it's scenes you really like it doesn't matter. okay okay from the first fast and the furious movie this is from the scene where um they, they see paul Wa- um vince and leon see paul walker's truck out um at the toretto's grocery store and what's up with this fool is he sandwich crazy or something navi he ain't here for the food dog that's number 10 at number nine, I, from the classic movie The Wraith, um, starring Charlie Sheen, um, he'd just shown up and busted up like the the evil gang's garage, and um, the skank and gutter boy had this, um, skank, skank, what was that? I don't know. Whatever it was, it was weird pissed off. Great line. Uh, that was number nine. <laughs> that was a good line. At number eight, from Star Trek Four. um... Captain Kirk and the crew are crossing a crowded San Francisco street when a cab driver says, Hey, watch where you're going, dumbass. Double dumbass on you. I love that line. I I can't believe I missed that line on my top ten list. It's a great line. Uh, Number seven from Repo Man. um, Otto and Harry Dean Stanton are driving around in the car um, when when this question is asked, What are you, a commie? No, man, I, I ain't no commie. Good. I don't want any commies in my car. No Christians either. At number seven, this is a bit of a long one. This is um, Benicio Del Toro wakes up all messed up in the desert and turns around and sees that Tobey Maguire is still in the car with him and Hunter S. Thompson. So he tells this story to mess with them. The truth, the truth. We're going to Vegas to croak a skag baron named Savage Henry. It's true. Why? Why? Because I've known him for years and he ripped us off. And you know what that means. And you know what that means. It means Savage Henry has cashed his check. I'm going to rip his lungs out. I fucking love that scene. It's so funny. All right. And number six from um, uh, John Woo's Hard Boiled. Uh, Tequila has just shot everybody in the tea house when he was supposed to arrest the guy. And the, the lead detective comes in and tells him, well done. You're a real asset. Give a guy a gun. He's Superman. Give him two. He's God. At, um, Great line. Num- number five from Paul. Hey, take it easy with this stuff. It's the stuff that killed Dylan. Bob Dylan didn't die. Didn't he? All right. Number four from Boondock Saints. You know what we need is some rope. Absolutely. What are you, insane? No, I ain't. Charlie Bronson's always got rope. What? Yeah, he's always had a bundle, a, a bundle of rope strapped to him in the movies. Oh, you lost it, haven't you? No, I'm serious. That's stupid. Name one thing you need a rope for. You don't know what you need it for. You just know that you need it. All right. <laughs> oh, that fucking rope is so classic. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, number two from Aliens. Um, they're outside and like um, 
you know, like the the ship just blown up and it, it's getting dark. And Newt tells them the, the some sage like advice. They mostly come out at night, mostly. Okay, and a number one from the epic revenge film Man on Fire. Christopher Walken is talking to the Federale and he's explaining to him the the character of John Creasy. I'd like to understand him. Give me that. Peter Ramos. Um, what was she to him? She showed him it was all right to live again. And they wished that they never touched a hair on her head. A man can be an artist at anything. Food, canvas, whatever. Creasy's art is death. And he's about to paint his masterpiece. And that is my top ten list. That's a pretty good Christopher Walken, by the way. That's not bad. <laughs> I, I try. I'm no, I'm no Kevin Spacey, but like I, 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 I hope the one he day... he does do a, a mean Christopher Walken though. Oh, he, Kevin Spacey. He, him and Kevin Pollock do Kevin Spacey. I mean, do Christopher Walken almost perfectly, man. I mean, it's a, it's amazing. Oh, that was a good top ten list. Though. I got to give you that. All right, next in the round table, let's go to Scorpio Moon, who's uh, promised a good one this week. Yeah, I had some fun with mine, too. I went and themed my list completely to Star Trek movies. Starting at the beginning with Star I almost did. I almost did that with Star Wars, but I, I held back. Go ahead. Oh, that would have been funny. We could have kind of competed on but, uh But, yeah, starting at the beginning with Star Trek, the motion picture, my favorite scene of dialogue comes from when McCoy wants to spank V'ger. Star Trek 2. Uh-huh. Wait, wait, what's the dialogue? What's the dialogue there? Something about, what, should I give it a spanking? When they're talking about the out-of-control AI and how they need to deal with it. Right, right. right. you got to give us the dialogue, too. It's not just the scene. you got to give us the dialogue. Yeah, that's the, that's the specific part of dialogue from the scene. Okay, okay. wanting to All give right. each of the spanking. That's a pretty good point. And then from Star Trek 2, I went with the obvious one, the famous window scene with have been and always will be your friend. That whole scene of dialogue is just classic, classic, classic Trek. Star Trek 3, I had McCoy again. And how he doesn't need permission to do a damn illegal thing. Or how you wouldn't ask for damn permission to do a damn illegal thing. I love that, that humor. Everything with Spock in his head just has me rolling. Uh, Star Trek Four, the dialogue about cursing. You know, double dumbass on you. That made my top ten. And, like, the whole idea of how Kirk, you know, he tells Spock that Spock doesn't have the knack of cursing. And then says dumb stuff like that. So all the dialogue in Star Trek Four about cursing. Star Trek V, my favorite scenes of dialogue come from the campfire scene. And especially good old racist Dr. McCoy. His Vulcan jokes were just <laughs> just too much. The end of Star Trek VI with Kirk and Spock. I love. I think the ending of Star Trek VI is one of the best endings of any Star Trek movie, of any franchise, of almost anything ever. You know, all about you know the first star on the right and straight on till morning and Spock's soul. If I were a human, I believe my response would be, go to hell. If I were a human. I quote that one a lot. Star Trek Generations, my favorite scenes of dialogue come from the whole, the whole thing about time. How, how uh, Sauron always says that time is a predator. And at the end, Picard kind of turns it around. He's talking to Riker saying how he prefers to think of time as a friend that comes along for the journey. Star Trek First Contact, Data versus the Borg Queen. I really liked the dialogue in their, in their back and forth. 
And even though technically it's not from her conversation with Data, I always love that line about you humans think in such three dimensional terms. I'm always always not going back to Nolan. that one. Yeah, not Christopher yeah. Nolan. <laughs> yeah, oh, he was, thinks in fifth dimensional t- terms. Yes, I was trying to quote that one so hard during the last episode too, but I couldn't like get into the flow of conversation without being talked over. It didn't work. Um, my favorite dialogue from Insurrection is a little bit cheating, but when they sing, actually, when they're singing Gilbert and Sullivan. I love oh, that. That's a funny scene. That's a good scene. That's a funny scene. Good and then list. and then Nemesis rounding out the list. It was a little hard because I am kind of on the camp of Nemesis was not such a great movie. But Right, right, right. It wasn't. I did enjoy the dialogue between Picard Picard versus um Tom Hardy versus his character. Shinsu. Yeah, I like how the whole time Picard kind of he kind of knows exactly what's going on and he knows there's a plot and he never falls for any of it. So his conversation with Tom Hardy, is it's very deliberate. And he's kind of just feeling it out and getting the information and almost kind of toying with him just to just to like amuse himself as far as meeting his younger self. But the whole time he's totally in control and he knows what to expect. Allow me to introduce myself. Great list. Though. Allow myself to introduce myself. But for Rathacon, I would have went with, they put things in our ears. That's my yes, favorite that's line. Yes, that's, <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. yeah, yeah. that's a good line. Great line. Uh, that is a good line. Uh, good list, though, uh, there. Yeah. Good list. Thank you. Thank All you. right. Good Next on the round too. table. Yeah, good. Yeah, well, I almost went with the Star Wars theme myself. Uh, held back, though, and. Now I wish I wouldn't have held back. But anyway, next in the round table, we got none other than, of course, Mr. Zod Ryder. Give us your top ten list. Okay. My number ten from Star Wars. I've got a bad feeling about this. Great line. Number nine from the from the Chow Yun Fett, uh, uh, Chow Yun Fett movie, uh, Full Contact. Johnny Alpha, you might uh, remember this line. The villain, who happens to be a homosexual Magician. at the end, is kind of... Magician, he's kind of taunting uh, Chow Yun-Fat's character. And the last line that Chow Yun-Fat gives to him before he kills him, before he shoots him, masturbate in hell. Yep. Love that line. Epic. Ringo number Land eight. Rolls. Number eight from Quentin Tarantino's film Reservoir Dogs. Great line there. They're, uh, Mr. Mr. Pink and uh, Mr. White are, are talking uh, right after the the robbery, and Mr. Pink, uh, Mr. White actually says the choice between doing ten years and taking out some stupid mother effer ain't no choice at all. Great line. Number seven from Dumb and Dumberer, Jackal. You know what this line is going to be? <laughs> Chicks are for fags. Chicks are for fags. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Best <laughs> line ever in a comedy ever. I mean, for real. I, I mean. <laughs> That had to make my list. It, it's incredible. Ah, uh, damn it! I didn't put that one on my list. Uh, number number uh, five from uh, from the Empire Strikes Back. Uh, the uh, Darth Vader. You don't know the power of the dark side. Love that line. Great line. Number four. Number four. Have to go with another Empire Strikes Back line. I am your father. Darth Vader, such an iconic character. So many great quotes. But I had to end the the Star Wars quotes there because I could have did the whole top ten with Star Wars quotes. Like you, Jackal. Uh, Number number three, from from my favorite animated film ever, Fist of the North Star. Power without perception. 
is virtually useless and therefore of no true value. The master, Ryakin, is telling, telling Rao, the, the, the big kung fu master of the time, that he's no longer going to be accepted into the, into the dojo and can no longer use uh, the martial arts. And he tries, to, he tries to stop him from using the martial art known as Hokuto Shinken, but ends up getting killed by Rao, because Rao is much more powerful. Uh, number two, from Enter the Dragon, Bruce Lee is telling his apprentice, don't think, feel. feel. It's just like a finger Wonderful. pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger, or you will miss all yes. the heavenly glories. glories. <laughs> we need emotional content. That whole scene is just so quotable. Uh, it's, ama- yeah, well, that it's, it's, br- it's brilliant. Absolutely and then brilliant. After that, why doesn't somebody pull out the 45 and bang, settle it? <laughs> and, and my number one is also from one of my favorite films, Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs. Mr. Blonde is in the, is in the office. Talking, talking to, talking to the thing, telling him, telling him, I don't want to, and, ta- and talking to nice guy Eddie, and he's telling him, I don't want to lift shit. And nice guy Eddie is telling him, you don't even work there. But as far as the records are concerned, you do. I call Matthews, tell him he's got a new guy. Boom, you're on the rotation. You get a time card. It's clocked in and out every day. Dock dock workers get paid very well. Excellent quote. Excellent scene. Excellent list. Wonderful film. Yes. Well, that's a good list there, Mr. Zodrider. What very about good, uh, when the cops in um, Tim Ross' story with the cop, Buddy, I will shoot you in the face! <laughs> yeah, yeah. When they're in the when they're in the bathroom, <laughs> that's gotta probably be my favorite quote of the whole film. I mean, there's great quotes, but the way that dude says that, buddy, I will shoot you in the face. <laughs> and then they're like, they're like, they're like, what was he? What was he doing? He was going for his registration. <laughs> Remember, <laughs> put your hands on the dash. <laughs> Yeah. All right, here we go. This is my top ten list now, gentlemen, and I'm going to uh, go a little bit off to- off the cup here. I'm, I'm not just going to give you a quick line. I'm going to actually recite a couple of pieces of dialogue, which is kind of the idea that I had originally when we put this together was favorite scene or favorite dialogue in a scene. So my top ten goes like this. Number ten, I'm going to start with Superman 1978, the scene where Clark Kent is first really introduced to everybody in the uh, in the office of uh, the Daily Planet, and he tells uh, Mr. White, he's like, excuse me, Mr. White, I was wondering if uh, perhaps you could arrange half my salary to be sent to my... To this address on a weekly basis, and then Lois Lane says, "You're bookie, right?" Clark says, "My what?" And Lois follows up with, "Don't tell me." He sends checks every week to his sweet gray-haired old mother, and Clark Kent says, "Actually, she's silver, silver-haired." I love that line. It just it shows the 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 love that he had for his mom and love for humanity, and it just it plays off so well in the character of Clark Kent and Superman. And it really, I thought it was just a beautifully done scene in Superman seventy eight, and it has nothing to do with him fighting or going at Lex Luthor or anything. Just a nice, sweet scene in the movie. Number nine on my list, uh, going off a little bit uh, away from the nice and sweet, I'm going to go with Guardians of the Galaxy in that one scene where Drax the Destroyer finally realizes that he's part of a team. (laughs) Right. And he's like, I just wanted to tell you how grateful I am that you've accepted me despite my blunders. It is good good to once again be amongst friends. You, Quill, are my friend. And Quill says, thanks. 
Then he says, this dumb tree is also my friend. This green whore is also, and then he stops. <laughs> and Gamora says, oh, you must stop. Love that scene. Number eight on my list, The Crow. And I mentioned this uh, gentleman earlier, Top Dollar from The Crow. One of the best villains, I think, of all time cinematically. Uh, the line that he gives, that, which I think was brilliant when he says, No, I don't want to set a fire. I don't, he goes, no, let me, let me start again. No, I want to set a fire so goddamn big the gods will notice us again. That, that's what I'm saying. I want all you boys to be able to look at me straight in the eye one more time and say, Are we having fun or what? Hey, you, what's your name there, Skank? Do you feel that? And Skank says, I feel like a little worm in a big fucking hook. Ah, feels like a little worm in a big fucking hook. Well, boy, your mama must be damn proud of you. Love that scene. Mama must be damn proud of you, boy. Yeah. Love Top Dollar. Great, great villain. Now, Michael Wincott's a great actor. He's really uh, under underrated. Yeah, completely underrated. Number seven on my list, and this comes from The Dark Knight Rises. One of the best villains ever, also cinematically, is Bane. Only the one that Christopher Nolan put in his movie, not the other Bane from Batman and Robin. Monkey Motherf- work! He was awesome. He sucked! Movie. But anyway, this Bane was awesome, and the one scene that I always look at when I look at this movie, and I just, I, I get like this little fanboy glee in my whole entire body when I watch it, because it's such a great scene, is when he's fighting uh, Batman, and he's like, you fight like a younger man, without nothing held back, admirable, but mistaken. Oh, you think the darkness, the darkness is your ally, but you merely adapted the dark. I was born in it, molded by it. I didn't see the light until it was already a man. By then, I was nothing to me but blinding. The shadows betray you because they belong to me. Love that piece of dialogue. Now, number six on my list, a throwback from the 80s. I think all of us love this movie, The Goonies. Right? Right? No? Maybe? My alone? You gotta ask, man? I mean, Jesus. Huh? All right. There's a scene in there which I always crack up no matter when I watch it. I don't care how old I am. I'm, it just cracks me up. And it's when Irene Wash, the mother of, of Mikey, uh, is in the room with the kids and she's uh, you know, showing the, uh, the little old lady around the house and she's going to clean up the house and everything. And uh, he, she tells Mouth or um, <laughs> Corey Feldman, Corey Feldman, uh, you know, to translate for her. And she's like, <laughs> "The pants and the shirts go in the uh, on the O, and forget about it. Just throw everything into the cupboard boxes." Uh, and then she goes, "Clark, can you really translate all that?" And he's like, "Sure, Mrs. Wallace." And then he says it in Spanish, but he translates pretty much this is what he means. He says, "The marijuana goes in the top drawer, the cocaine and the speed go in the second drawer, and the heroin goes in the bottom drawer." Always separate the drugs. Of course, he says that in Spanish. And then Irene Wash says to, to Rosalita, which is the little old lady, uh, she's like, this is my supply closet. you find everything you need, brooms, dustpans, insect spray. I would really like the house clean where they tear it down, which makes absolutely no sense, by the way. If they're tearing the house down, why do you want it clean? Who cares? But house right? moms would say shit like that. Exactly, especially in the 80s. But, of course, Mouth translated it brilliantly, what he said. Uh, if you do a bad job, you'll be locked in here with the cockroaches for two weeks without food or water. Water. <laughs> Love that dialogue. Oh, and then Irene uh, Wash tells them, "You're so fluent in Spanish. It was so nice of you." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, Mrs. Walsh. Yeah. <laughs> Love that line. Uh, number five on my list, and I'm going to one of my favorite films of all times, Scarface, with Tony Montana. And this scene, look, I don't care how old this movie gets. This is one of the most badass scenes that uh, that uh, that Al Pacino would ever. 
did on the film. And there's a scene where he's in the uh, in the um, restaurant, and he's talking to everybody. He's like, "What are you looking at? You're a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so that you can point your fucking fingers and say that's the bad guy. So what? That makes you good. You're not good. You just know how to hide, how to lie." Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell the truth, even when I lie. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Come on, the last time you're going to see the bad guy like this again? Let me tell you, come on. Make way for the bad guy. Best bad guy ever. That is not Darth Vader. Another quailer <laughs> should love me in the morning. Love that scene. Number four. A little bit newer of a movie, but not much. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. There's a very, very funny scene in there where they're talking about drugs. And I love drug references in movies, especially with Johnny Depp. And his uh, character, Raul Duke, uh, has a, a beautiful piece of dialogue in the movie where he says, We had two bags of grass, 75 pallets of masculine, five sheets of high-powdered blotter acid, a salt shaker half full of cocaine, a whole galaxy of multicolored uppers, downers, screamers, laughers, also a quart of tequila, a quart of rum, a case of beer, a paint of raw ether, and two dozen annals. Not that we needed all that for the trip, but once we get locked into a serious drug collection, the tendency is to push it as far as you can. The only thing that that really worried me was the ether. There is nothing in the world more helpless and irresponsible and depraved than a man in a depth of an of an ether binge. And I knew we'd get into that rotten stuff pretty soon. And then you start seeing bats all over the place. God, I'm hungry for some drugs right now. Right. <laughs> oh, what about what about when uh, Benicio del Toro like he's trying to do the coke and like the roots down on the convertible and did you see what God just did to us, man? man? That wasn't God. That was you. <laughs> Evil bastard. You're a narcotics agent. I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) Love that movie. Number three on my list, The Dark Knight. Going back to Batman for a second. When uh, Batman is in the room with the Joker and he says, then why do you want to kill me? And the Joker follows up with, I don't want to kill you. (laughs) What would I do without you? Go back to ripping off mob dealers? No, 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 no. You, You complete me. You're garbage and kills for money. Don't talk like them. You're not even. Even if you'd like to be. To them, you're just a freak like me. Love that line. And that, you know, honestly, when I saw that line, that piece of dialogue in the trailers, I knew that he was going to nail that role as the Joker. And uh, again, it's going to be very tough for Jared Leto to replace him as the Joker because it was just epic. So there he goes. That's my number three line. And I know you guys are saying, wait a second, what happened to all the Star Wars stuff, right? Where's oh, no Star I, no, Wars? I know it was coming at the top of your list. It's a coming. Here it is. Number two on my list, right out of Star Trek. I mean, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. The very famous Darth Vader scene where he's there talking to Luke and he's like, There is no escape. Don't make me destroy you. Luke, you do not realize your importance. You have only begun to discover your power. Join me and I will complete your training with our combined strength. We can end this destructive conflict and bring order to the galaxy. And then Luke, of course, says, I'll never join you. Oh, he's not a little bit more than that. Sin. Well, a little bit more manly than that. But then he follows up with, If you only knew the power of the dark side, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No, I am your father. 
to me, that's the most important scene in any film ever. <laughs> because of the revelant, the, the revelation that happened that, in that scene. I mean, there's nothing more important than, I mean, when you, if you see that movie for the first time, and you did not know going in that was his dad, that blows your fucking mind, man. That was, it blew my mind as a kid, and to this day, it's really one of the most incredible revelations ever in film. But it did not top my list, because there's another scene in Empire Strikes Back, which just completely, completely blows it, blows the water for me. <laughs> Just completely does it, and I'm talking about the scene where Luke is talking to Yoda, and they're talking, you know, they're doing the training stuff, and uh, Luke is trying to lift the ship from the uh, swamp, and he's like, "I can't. It's it's just too big." <laughs> and then Yoda looks at him and says, "That's what size? she said." <laughs> <laughs> no, he did not say that. <clears throat> he said, "Size matters not. Look at me. Judge me by my size, do you?" Hmm. And well, you should not. Nah, I'm not doing the Yoda voice, sorry. For my ally is the Force, and a powerful ally it is. Life creates it, makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us, it binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the Force around you. Here, between you, me, the trees, the rock, everywhere, yes. Even between the land and the ship. Beautiful dialogue. And this is why I am completely happy with the, them bringing on board the writer of Empire Strikes Back for Episode 7. Thank you, J.J. Abrams. And that's my top ten list. And that was a full great, theatrical great list from the Jackal. <sighs> yeah, man, I, you should get to do the audio things that J- Zod listens to, man. Honestly. <laughs> I love those things. Yeah. You like my Darth Vader voice, huh? Oh, no, I, 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 it was pretty much it was no? pretty much the Luke Skywalker that sold me, man. That was that. That was a good one, yeah. yeah. I would yeah. never join you. Yeah. No. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> anyway, guys, we do got to get going. Got to wrap it up. That's the top ten list for the week. Uh, stick around if you're listening on PSN Radio for the Outer Edge coming out next with William Michael Mott and, of course, his uh, buddy Tim Schwartz, the Schwarzenegger. So I like to call him hmm? Schwarzenegger. Why? Schwarzenegger. No, I don't. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if he'd take offense to that. You know, some people really don't like the governor, man. So, well, I, I wasn't calling him that because of that. His name is Schwartz. Schwarzenegger. Just stand him. Just. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Good night, everybody. This is the roundtable. We'll be back next week with more top ten lists and more and more show dolphin vaginas. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Woohoo! Stay classy, y'all. Yes. I would have loved to have heard what 2.0 had on his top 10 list, by the way. I wanted to hear his damn boyhood um, review. Yeah, yeah, we're going to have to get that next had week. A couple, he would have probably had a couple quotes from He'd have been like, it was just like my life growing up in, in Chicago. It was it was just like that. Like My dad looks just like Ethan Hawke now that I think about it. Or well, Ethan Hawke does look Mexican. <laughs> Yeah, dude, he totally does. He does look like a, like a vato loco. Yeah, he looks like a dolphin's vagina. And with that, good night, everybody. Oh, no.